When Hustler started, uh, no one really knew what a woman looked like. And I think that what we did was let the whole nation know that a woman's vagina had as much personality as her face. And the readers loved it. Oh, yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast. It's a very good podcast Oh yeah Yeah, 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 yeah It's a funny, 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 funny show Sick and Wrong Podcast It's a wonderful podcast It's a miraculous podcast It's like the best podcast in the whole wide, wide Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. Hello, I am Kate Rambo. Happy Valentine's Day there, Kate. Yes, happy Valentine's Day, or as I like to call it, a week until my birthday. VD Day. Are you, are, uh, mm-hmm. you one of those girls who like really gets into Valentine's Day? Oh, no, no, not at all. If anything, I'm kind of against it because I'm like, yeah, I do like flowers and all that kind of bullshit. But like they hike the prices up. Just wait a week. Well, wait women a week okay. get shit. Women always say something like, Oh, Valentine's Day is a fake holiday. You know, I don't really celebrate it and it's fine. But they do. They do want some kind of acknowledgement. They're lying. You know, whether it's like a bejeweled butt plug or a rechargeable love egg vibrator, they still want acknowledgement. Some women like some it really doesn't bother me i'm like fuck it because when i'm in a relationship with someone i buy them gifts all year long but I okay don't need a fucking day to be like here is love day but if you're yeah. dating someone they don't even jokingly do anything at all even mm. acknowledge it at all you wouldn't be upset no it's just never bothered me like i've never done i've never been for dinner on valentine's day never done that That's never would do that yeah, I would never do it. They hiked the prices up. Why am I suddenly going to go out to dinner to eat a more expensive dinner than it was last week? Fuck that. I fucking hate Valentine's Day. Too frugal Day. for that. I hate I, Valentine's Day, a... and it's one of those it's one of those holidays here, especially in this country, where oh, yeah. you, you most of the time you feel obligated because women do want to do something, and then when you're forced, like especially in the beginning of the relationship, you're forced to like, oh god, I gotta go take her out to eat, and then you're like, every place has like pre-fee menus and it's like yes. you got a you got a book you know days in advance so i've been under that under that like impression of like i'm dating a cool chick and she doesn't give a shit about valentine's day i can tell she doesn't really care and then like a day before i'm like oh she's expecting me to take her out to dinner fuck and i'm like sitting there trying to like get a reservation last minute but you can't mm. because every restaurant's booked I fucking hate valentine's day pointless yeah, holiday no. It is a pointless holiday, but it, all it means to me is it's seven days until my birthday, and that's what Valentine's Day means. I don't know. I would rather stay home, drink some red wine, order some Taco Bell, watch some Italian mm-hmm. Nazi porn, and fuck. That's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Well, that, that's every day. Isn't it? <laughs> you don't have to be doing that on just a Valentine's Day. That's romantic any day of the year. Did um, Minus the Taco Bell. Did the uh, death of Larry Flint ruin your Valentine's Day at all? Uh, yeah, I've been pretty bummed about that all week. Larry's like one of my... It, I kind of f- 
feel the same way like when Hunter S. Thompson died. It's kind of hit that special, like little, like oh my hero part of me. Like because uh, I first... inspirational figures in your life. Of course, I read his book when I was fifteen. I was very like, t- and it did like change a part of me. And he's a very important man in a lot of ways that we don't really realize how important he was. And it's sad that he is no longer in the world with us. And I liked living in a world where it had Larry Flint in it. Did uh, an ex of yours ever give you a hustler for Valentine's Day? No, I've always bought my own hustlers. I don't need no mans to buy me a hustler. Can you get it? I'm a strong, independent white woman. Can you get it in the UK borderlands? Yeah, you can get a hustler over here. Oh, I didn't know that. I've got a couple of the um, the vintage ones from the 70s. I've got a couple of them knocking around my bunker. It's a very romantic bunkers. magazine. It's a very romantic magazine. I would say it's definitely up there with like the best of the best smut magazines. That's I always a... wanted to work for Hustler, not naked. <laughs> you always wanted to be in the right? beaver hunt? I wanted to be a staff writer <laughs> for Hustler. It was one of my dreams. I always loved the uh, the beaver hunt portion of it, especially because, you know, as a kid, occasionally, mm. like, because when you're a kid and you can't buy porn, you, know, you usually get porn hand-me-downs or you, or you steal them from, like, one of your friends' divorced dads. And so typically it was like you get, like, a Playboy. It's like, eh, all right, these girls are super hot, but, you know, I'm not seeing a split beaver. And then yeah. you get, like, a penthouse and it's a little bit, you know, split this is great. <laughs> but when you get a hustler, that was, like, score. Because there's like yeah. actual penetration, there's cum shots, and then there's oh, the beaver nasty. hunt. The beaver yeah. hunt in the back was my favorite. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you had everyone's like, you know, this is a picture of my girlfriend. So would you have been like appalled and shocked and and disgusted if your boyfriend would have just been like, so I sent a Polaroid to your pussy to Hustler's beaver hunt. Or would you have been I mean, like, wow, that's the most romantic thing a man's ever done for me. I would have been like, I would have liked to have approved the picture. Like, do I, do I look good in it? Obviously, my pussy looks great all the fucking time. But I want to like, I want it to probably your face, help the set. Lighting. I'd want to set the scene a bit, yeah, and be like, we could have made that so much better than what it was. I would have Paris Hiltoned the situation. <laughs> but it is a very romantic magazine, and Larry Flint, the founder of Hustler magazine. Will definitely be missed. He uh, died this past Tuesday, February 10th, or Wednesday, February 10th, of yeah. heart failure in Los Angeles at the age of 78. That man, though, set new boundaries for bad taste. He really has. He Fought against yeah. obscenity, laws, and was the champion mm-hmm. of free speech. And I've always admired Larry Flint, you know? And it's an yeah. interesting story, too, like of how Hustler came to be. So it all, it all kind of happened in early 1965. Flint uh, took out a took eighteen hundred dollars from his savings, and he bought his mother's bar. So he had to pay his mom for the, for her bar in Dayton, Ohio. It was called the Kiwi. He retrofitted it, changed it, and renovated it, and he uh, soon became kind of a you know a profitable place. He was making about a thousand dollars a week, and he used the profits from there to buy two other bars in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And this guy, I mean, he worked as many as twenty hours a day. Hardworking guy. Like, yeah. yeah, he had a vision. He took amphetamines to stay awake so he could keep working. And he then, say. <laughs> then he decided, I'm going to open a higher class bar, a new bar. And, and I'm going to add nude hostess dancers. They're going to mm-hmm. serve you drinks and hang out and perform on stage. I'm going to call it the Hustler Club. 
So this is kind of you know unprecedented, especially in that area. I mean, they they had nudie bars in San Francisco, but Dayton, Ohio, conservative oh, yeah. Midwest. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely groundbreaking. And so he, got a, he had his uh, brother Jimmy helping him out and later his girlfriend. And uh, they opened up hustler clubs in Akron, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Toledo. And these clubs started making a lot of money, like between two hundred sixty to $520,000 a year. Wow. And this is one of, one of the funniest things I thought about it, because I was like, well, so, so then he'd take that money and then just start making hustler. Well, it turned out while he was managing all these clubs, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a Hustler newsletter. So in 1972, he started publishing this Hustler newsletter, just a two-page black-and-white publication about his clubs. And it became really popular. It was almost like a strip club zine, in a way. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and then um, he expanded it to like 16 pages and 32 pages. And uh, by this point, it's like, it's a magazine. It's no longer just a newsletter. It's not just a zine. So in 1974, he published the first Hustler magazine. You know, and uh, it struggled in the beginning because I think, you know, a lot of people were shocked by its content, which had be- been mm-hmm. increasingly graphic over time. Uh, but, you know, it's, it started targeting working class men and uh, it had a circulation of around three million, which is you know, kind of impressive at that time. Very I mean, you had impressive. Playboy, you had Penthouse, like much, much more high profile magazines that he was competing mm. against. And, you know, obviously he was he was much more like you know, smut heavy. It was much more raw, like hardcore and the other ones. But he had like a viral breakthrough and it was the nudie pics of Jackie Onassis. Yeah. So the former first lady, Jackie Onassis, became known as the billion dollar Bush when (laughs) photos of her sunbathing in the nude were splashed across the pages of the August 1975 issue of Hustler Magazine. And that was one thing that Flint did. Like, he never shot away from controversy, but he also, you know, forayed into politics. And, uh, he did. Yeah, he yeah. did. And so the one, one of the things he, he uh, would do is he would, like, offer up money for salacious photos or salacious information. Even, like, you know, recently with Trump's first impeachment, he was offering $10 million for any, any information that would lead to his impeachment. And I think he did the same thing with uh, Bill Clinton. Like he wanted like photographic evidence of Bill getting his dick sucked. And at the time, <laughs> offered like a million dollar bounty. What so a guy. Flint scored these sexy pics of Jack Yo from an Italian mag call, a magazine called Play Men. Play Men. I wonder where they got that <laughs> name. <laughs> Very imaginative. Um, he he paid eighteen grand for it and featured a bare butt Jackie on the cover, and it made headlines everywhere. And he watched the circulation of his one-year-old magazine spike from, you know, just a, a few thousand, more than five million. So that's what got him to that three million, you know, three to five million marker, which is huge. Um, it's almost like, you know, it's like, it's like a viral. Like he, he like basically went viral with Naked Jackie O. Yeah, it's kind of like how Marilyn Monroe put Playboy on the map. Yeah, Jackie same kind O's of deal. Bush. Yeah, I think she's the only first lady's Bush. That's ever appeared in publication, is she not? Melania? Melania is different. She was doing that before she was first lady. This is after. I guess this is after. Jackie was first lady. Can I just say that I have seen these pictures and they are so tame. (laughs) You would never never wank to them. You're just like, oh, that's Jackie O's bush. That's it. (laughs) Not enough split beaver? There's none of Jackie O's split beaver, but I mean, she she had a diamond level first lady pussy, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, apparently 
Flint found out that Jackie's second husband, shipping ty- tycoon uh, Aristotle Onassis, he took the racy shots. Well, he hired photographers to score images of his uh, nude sunbathing mistress on the Greek island of Scorpios. So he like got these images of her, and that's how they leaked out. So I don't wonder if revenge porn was legal back then in the 70s. Was there a thing called revenge porn? No, I think that's Probably a very not. modern, a modern term. But yeah, but I mean, he was a dirty dog, anyways, because he was he was boffing uh, Maria Callas behind Jackie O's back the whole time they were together. Never trust those so, Greeks. Never. <laughs> um, so in November 1974, Hustler is only about four months old at this point. Um, it published its first so-called quote-unquote pink shots, you know, photographs of women with their legs spread to reveal the insides of their genitalia. Split beam. <gasps> I am clutching at my pearls. <laughs> and the cover of that issue promised down-to-earth, sexy girls. Well, it did cre- create quite a, quite a controversy because, I mean, I don't even think Penthouse was sort of explicit. Like, Pen- Penthouse showed, like, pussy lips, like labia, but they never showed, yes. like, women, like, legs spread open, you know? No pink this shots. This is the first to do it. And so newsstands banned the magazine due to the explicit content. And Gloria Steinem, who actually did a stint as a Playboy bunny... To roast she the did. culture created by Hugh Hefner, she uh, she thought Larry Flint and Hustler magazine was just was violent, sadistic pornography. And, <gasps> oh, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, she, Showing the, a woman's vagina is well, is violent. <laughs> well, what put her over the edge was the June 1978 Hustler cover that depicted a woman's legs and her lower to- lower torso being yeah. stuffed into a meat grinder with chopped meat mm-hmm. coming out the other end, and then Flint. Poured salt on the wounds with a tasteless um, cover line that read, we'll no longer hang women up like pieces of meat. Yeah. We'll grind them up instead. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is the reason Larry's a hero to me and a hero to many other people. Um, He was a First Amendment champion. And this guy, like, never stepped down from a challenge to the establishment. And, I mean, he had myriad legal battles. From free speech to pornography regulations. Without him, I don't think we would have Pornhub. I don't think so either. This guy's an outlaw. He's brilliant. Yeah, especially at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. He first faced the Supreme Court in a 1983 case that he lost. And when he left, like leaving the court, he flew into a rage, yelling, fuck this court. He even wore a shirt that said, fuck this court. Fuck this court, yeah. Call all the justices nothing but eight assholes and a token cunt. Referring to <laughs> Justin Sandra Day O'Connor. Um, he went back to court in uh, 1988, a very high-profile case against Jerry Falwell, the televangelist, um, who apparently sued him over an offensive ad parody in Hustler that suggested that he had slept with his own mother in an outhouse, and that's how he lost his virginity. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Which, I don't know. I, I put some credence into that. Uh, that case was actually portrayed in the movie The People vs. Larry Flint, Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Woody Harrelson. I think Courtney Love was in that. Yeah, she's Althea, yeah. his wife. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, the sentence, he was sentenced for obscenity, but he only served six days in jail for that. Yeah. So he actually ended up winning the case against Falwell. And as I said, as I mentioned before, Flint, you know, dabbled in politics and, uh, and he ran briefly, did a brief presidential run as a Republican in 1984. Mm-hmm. against Ronnie Reagan. Um, and then he ran for governor of California in 2003 with the Gray Davis recall election, which I actually voted for him in that election. 
Amazing. Well, wouldn't you? Know what I mean? <laughs> of course I would. I love Larry. I, mean, I would have done one of my regrets in life is that I'll never get to sit on his on his lap because he used to he always used to let the girls sit on his lap. I'll never I'll never get to do that now. His uh, byline in that was uh, he called himself a smut peddler. Who cares? It's exactly what he is. Yeah, he finished number yeah. seven in a field of 135 candidates, 17,458 really, votes. That's really good, and you were one of them. Yeah, it's more. It's impressive. I tried, mm -hmm. did my best. I think. Uh, I think uh, Schwarzenegger won that year, the governor. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still kind of funny to have but, Schwarzenegger yeah, as a funny. governor. Well, of um, but yeah, he uh, called him, he referred to himself as a civil libertarian to the core. And um, yeah, he uh, weighed in during Bill, Peachment, Bill Clinton's impeachment trial, offering a million dollars for evidence of sexual transgression. And he hated Trump. He hated oh, Donald yeah. Trump. And in 2017, he offered a $10 million reward for any dirt that would lead to his impeachment. Um, well, one, one personal anecdote here is, so he used to ride around in an $85,000 gold-plated wheelchair. And I'm going to post a picture of him in this wheelchair uh, on, the, on the site. But I actually, I never met him, but I saw him when I was DJing back in like 2003. So I was working at the time, Deja Vu kind of ran all the, managed all the strip clubs on the block yes. over on Broadway in North Beach. And so if you're a DJ that was, you know, even remotely decent, they would move you between clubs if they needed a sub. And so I was one of the nighttime DJs of Roaring Twenties, but occasionally they'd be like, hey, we need you at Centerfolds or we need you, you know, mm -hmm. at the, uh, the Hungry Eye. Um, but they just opened up a hustler club right across the street, which is also managed by Deja Vu. So this particular weekend, it had only been around maybe for like a month, maybe a few weeks. Um, they were like, hey, we need you to work day shift over there. So they got somebody else over in 20s. They moved me to day shift. And I was pretty stoked because I'm like, fuck, if I can get into Hustler Club, I'll be making some real money. So I was working oh, yeah. there. And then all of a sudden, everybody got all like super excited. And uh, I looked over and yeah, there's Larry Flint. He just, just kind of showed up at the club. And so he comes in and he's got his like gold plated wheelchair. And there were girls. Nice. They were not giving him lap dances, sort of. They're kind of like sitting on his lap and like posing yeah. with pictures. And so. I was like kind of stoked because I mean, here he is, Larry Flint, listening to me DJ and calling girls, you know, on and off the stage. Mm. And so I, I went up at one point to go get a Coke and I kind of walked by him and it was just like, Larry Flint, gold wheelchair. Pretty nice. cool. Yeah, it's like seeing yeah. It's definitely one of the high it points is. in my strip club uh, DJ career. <laughs> but now I kind of want to get into the point of, um, you know, the, this intro, the meat of the intro is the reason why. He rode around that gold-plated wheelchair. And who put him yeah. there? Mm -hmm. So in March 1978, Flint was leaving an obscenity court hearing in Georgia when he was shot on the sidewalk by a gunman who later, like years later, was revealed to be white supremacist serial killer Joseph Paul Franklin. Yeah. And Franklin, I mean, he didn't confess you know, to the attempted murder until years later in 1984. He claimed that he had been enraged by an interracial photo shoot that he saw in Hustler magazine. So here's a, here's a clip from the actual, this is a newscast from the day it actually happened. Mm -hmm. Lawrenceville attorney Gene Reeves was on the sidewalk in a pool of blood. Ambulance crews had picked up Flint moments earlier. He had been shot once in the stomach. The bullet which hit Reeves had apparently gone through an arm and slammed into his side. Flint had spent all morning. Reeves was his attorney. 
thing on the witness stand and was due up again in a few minutes until the shots rang out. Even people who were only a few feet away weren't positive what had happened. Just hear the shot. What did you see? When Did you look out the window? Or? No, sir. Couldn't look out the window. I was behind did this you, building. You came across the street then? Yes, sir. What did you see at that point? I saw Mr. Reeves laying here and Mr. Flynn down there. Sir. I saw Mr. Reeves, who's my next-door neighbor, and uh, I tried to see his condition. Mr. Couch assured me that his condition was not serious. All I seen was one man. He was hollering, help me. And then a friend of mine that was standing that's gone, my girl said that there was another one shot. And I told him to get back in the house because they might shoot him. Did you see anybody running away that like might have been the, the, the gunman? I seen one person running around the corner, and he was going so fast you couldn't really tell what he looked like. <laughs> Gotta love that southern accent. <laughs> I wonder how to get all o tuned. <laughs> yeah, song. Can't tell what he looked like. What, what he looked like. So yeah, so um, actually, I mean, we'll get to we'll cover that in a second. But no one really could. Um, there are no witnesses that could pinpoint who it was, who the gunman was. But it did turn out to be Joseph Paul Franklin, white supremacist serial sniper, who went on a killing spree between 1977 and 1980, um, in order to try to start a, a race war. That was his oh, goal. Yes. He's a regular Charles Munson of the East, of who, the Eastern Midwest. Who he, he considered uh, quite an influence, actually. Oh, there yeah, you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you got to, you know, got to respect your idols. So mm. uh, he was a racist, a member of the American Nazi Party, and he went on a killing spree from, uh, for about three years, targeting black and Jewish people across 11 different states, mostly on the East Coast. Oh, wow. Um, and he had admitted and confessed to killing at least 22 people using an arsenal of rifles. He also confessed the attempted assassinations of uh, civil rights leader Vernon Jordan Jr. and magazine publisher Larry Flint, who was paralyzed for life as a result of that shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, other, the thing is with Franklin, I mean, he was you know, considered to be a schizophrenic, and uh, I mean, he confessed to a lot of things, repeatedly changed his accounts, on some of the cases. So it was really kind of difficult for officials to determine the true extent of his crimes. Of course. Um, he claimed racial motivation, you know, it was, was the main purpose, but they, they found him to be a paranoid schizophrenic who is mm-hmm. not really even fit to stand trial. Uh, he did, he was on death row for about 15 years awaiting the execution in the state of Missouri uh, for, the, for one murder, for the murder of Gerald Gordon in 1977. And he was later executed by lethal injection, November twentieth, twenty thirteen, which Larry Flint was opposed to. Yeah, he's a big. He hated the death penalty. Yeah, he and he was even it. even the guy that shot him and paralyzed him for life. He was ex- against the death penalty. Got him better, Larry Flint. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of background here on Joseph Paul Franklin. So he was born James Clayton Vaughn Jr. in Mobile, Alabama, April thirteenth, nineteen fifty. His father, James Sr., was a World War II veteran turned butcher. His mother, Helen Rovon, was a waitress. Vaughn Sr. was an alcoholic, a bitter drunk, came and left the family sporadically, sometimes would disappear for months on end. And then finally, he just took off for good when uh, uh, Franklin was only eight. Uh, Joseph Paul Franklin's siblings were raised by their very strict mother, who reportedly beat them. And they, they lived in, in poverty. Um, here's a quote from, uh, from actually John Douglas's book on, uh, on Franklin. He says, My mother was a full-blooded German who was five foot nine, weighed about 170 pounds, 
She could really hit hard with her hands, and she liked to beat us with her hands, slap us, and hit us with switches or belts. One time she took a long stick, about two and a half feet long, two inches in diameter. I had gone to the fridge and took some milk out to pour a dish for a cat I brought home. When she found out that wasted milk, she took that stick and started hitting me as hard as she could, causing an iron injury. That, um, that she refused to treat as a young child. So he had severely impaired eyesight, which is kind of odd because the guy was a serial sniper. You'd think he'd choose another weapon there, but, um, but he blamed her. He hated his mother. He despised her for that, for, the, for that eye injury because he, yeah. wanted to, he wanted to join the police force. He wanted to become a police officer, but he couldn't because of the eye injury. So he joined up with the American Nazi Party instead, as one does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's the... Uh... After you can't get into the police, where are you going to go? This whole scenario is basically, how do you create a serial killer? Well, firstly, you have them in Alabama. (laughs) The dad's not around. In poverty. Yeah. In poverty. There you go. There's your serial killer. Perfect recipe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So as a teenager, Franklin um, was obsessed with religion. Um, Hmm. Evangelical Christianity. He became a member of the Church of God. Uh, headed by televangelist Garner Ted Armstrong. And he visited nearly every church in Alabama that he could find. Wow. Um, As early in high school, that's when he was interested in evangelical Christianity. Um, Then he discovered Nazism. And then he, uh, later on, held memberships in both the National Socialist White People's Party and the Ku Klux Klan, which I wonder if the KKK just recruited in high school like the Army does. They must do down you know? in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've always said evangelical Christianity is a stepping stone. You know. Yeah. Well, well, well if I you think, think about right. it, well, if you think about it, I it bet is. I guarantee today there are high high school kids who dream of becoming Proud Boys or Oath Keepers. Oh, you know? there will be. Well, I'm sure there are, and then they're probably in their early teens. Look at the uh, look at that Wisconsin shooter kid. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. 1967, Franklin dropped out of high school. He avoided the draft due to his poor eyesight, um, and he married his neighbor, Bobby Louise Dorman, who was only 16 Bobby years Louis. old at the time. Yeah. Um, they'd only known each other for a couple weeks. She said he was kind and gentle at first and said he was going to take care of her. For a few weeks, it was all right, but then all of a sudden he changed. He beat me so hard, I thought he was going to kill me, and they divorced after four months. Whoa. Yeah, it didn't last too yeah. long. But then he Good remarried. Good for getting out, yeah. Well, he remarried under a fake identity a few years later. But by this point, he had already, like, was full bore into the white supremacy uh, groups. Uh, he studied racist literature. He practiced Nazi salutes in the mirror. Um, he, he was too poor to afford, like, uh, an actual uniform, so he just sewed swastikas onto his own clothing. Um, oh, DIY. He was a little DIY. DIY Nazi, yeah. <laughs> um, arts and crafts. And he had a couple tattoos, one of the American bald eagle and the other of a bloody grim reaper. Ooh, it it was cool. at this point that he changed <laughs> his name to honor a couple of his heroes, Joseph Paul Goebbels, Hitler's minister of propaganda. Oh, my God, yes. And Benjamin Franklin, Joe oh. Franklin. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, he was inspired by uh, Adolf Hitler's political manifesto, Mein Kampf. He said, Mm -hmm. I've never felt that way about any other book that I read. He'd reflect, this is years later. He said, there was just something weird about that book. 
Well, it was written by Hitler. That's that's kind of weird. It is. Was you know? it weird by the fact it's really, really boring and it's a very dry read? <laughs> well, I'm surprised he made it the way through it. It was inspirational enough for him to be like, I'm going to start a race war. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I guess you never really... I mean, I was when I was young, the book that inspired me more than anything else was uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I think I read that when I was like 13 or 14. I'm like... I want to do drugs. I want to do every drug I can yeah, ever find at least once. I read once. that young. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was Catcher in the Rye, which definitely led to me going, fuck everyone. <laughs> fuck everyone and fuck everything. Yeah, nothing matters. <laughs> it wasn't Catcher in the Rye. Wasn't that the, the main inspiration of Mark David Chapman? It was indeed. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people were inspired by that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Franklin said he admired Charles Manson and felt it was remarkable that Manson could get other people to carry out his dirty work to launch a race war. <laughs> He's like, that guy gets so much done in a day. That you know? guy's got charisma, you know. He's just got it. <laughs> so Franklin, for most of his life, was a drifter. He just drifted uh, from state to state, um, um, mostly on the East Coast, and he always found white supremacists wherever he went. They're so welcoming. <laughs> it's always like a white supremacist you know, club. You just walk into any bar and you just do the special handshake with someone, <laughs> and before you know it, you're at the Nazi club. A couple of Zieg Heils, next thing you know, you're a charter yeah. member, you know. Um, he joined the American Nazi Party, the Ku Klux Klan, and later the National States Rights Party, where he peddled their hate pamphlet, The Thunderbolt. Um, in the early 70s, he actually traveled on a road trip to an American Nazi Party conference in Virginia with David Duke, who at the time okay. was a student, and KKK fanatic Don Black. That's hilarious. You know, David Duke actually ran for, uh, what, did he run for uh, Congress? Yeah. I think he ran I for president. I don't know president. who David Duke is. Oh, he's like a, he was a member yeah. of the KKK. People actually yeah. voted for him. We don't have the KKK over here, David. We're which civilized. is good. Yeah, which is, is a good, good. thing. It's it's just insane to me that we could be like, yeah, let's let's vote for this guy who's got ties to the KKK. Like that's, I think he was like a grand dragon or something. Oh, that's yeah. the only thing I like about the KKK is like they're all like wizards, and dragons, and dragons, yeah, and ninjas, and like the way they've named themselves is like really cool. But that's it. That's all that's good about them. <laughs> he his goal. His goal here was uh, to cleanse the world of people he considered inferior, especially okay. blacks and Jews. Th- so, they're who he hates the most. Yeah, so he roamed up and down the East Coast basically to, to murder blacks and Jews. He was kind of like the white supremacist version of the Equalizer, you know, okay. in a sense. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, <laughs> if like 8chan were to make that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like his, uh, you know, he chose his victims based mostly on uh, on on their race and their back their background differed i mean they could their socioeconomic status age and gender i mean he killed men and women um mm-hmm. but it was always if they're black or jewish those are the two you know motivating factors um he had an arsenal of rifles it's seeding hatred and he would kill innocent people just because of their skin color or religious heritage i had a, about 18 aliases during this time Frequently swapped vehicles, and he dyed his hair different colors to uh, disguise himself. But regardless of these disguises, he was unable to mask the hatred that he had in his heart. And the weirdest thing about this guy is he was really vocal about it. He would talk about how much he hated black people and Jews to everybody, from store clerks to prostitutes. One prostitute that he hired 
um, he was like, where are all the black pimps? I want to go kill all the black pimps. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he tried to get her to kill a black bellhop at the motel where they were staying. But yeah, I oh, mean, lovely. you know, right. just so vocal about his racism. I'm sure well, he would have stormed people, the Capitol, don't you think? I was about to say, usually people <laughs> like that are very vocal about their racism, aren't they? But you'd think if this guy's going out murdering people, you know, and he's trying to, like, hide his identity and use different aliases, do you think he'd be so outspoken yes. about his hatred? Talking to random people like, yeah, I'm going to go kill those Jews over there. I think it's all that he is and was. It's concerned him, hasn't it? Hasn't it? This is his character. This is it. Yes, completely. So his primary source of financial support during these three years, his three-year racist rampage, uh, was bank robberies. He also okay. supplemented his income with paid blood bank donations. Oh, nice. Which subsequently actually led to his capture uh, a few years later. A few years, uh, later. So uh, the first murders and, and uh, bombings happened in 1977. July 25th, 1977. I had a trunk load of dynamite detonated right outside the home of a Jewish pro-Israel lobbyist, Morris Amate, and his family. Uh, the home was severely damaged, but everyone uh, survived unscathed except the six-month-old Beagle. The Beagle? He the Beagle's the beagle. not even Jewish. He killed the Beagle. The Beagle. Did the Beagle have a name? Uh, Mordechai. He was Jewish. Mordechai. He was a Jewish, Jewish no, Beagle. You, no, well, <laughs> no. He was Not circumcised. Oh, did your dad, <laughs> the rabbi, go and do the priest? Personally. Um, mm. But yeah, that, that's how vile this guy is. He killed a fucking dog. An a innocent fucking dog. Six months old. Do you know what? That's how John Wick started. That is exactly how John Wick started. That's John Wick's origin story right there. Four days later, he bombed a uh, synagogue in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Beth Shalom. Um, October 8th, 1977. He hid in long grass behind a telegraph pole at Baris Shalom, which is a synagogue in Richmond Heights, Missouri, and he fired into a group of worshippers with a hunting rifle, killing Gerald Gordon, and that's who he was put to death for, and injuring two others. Mm-hmm. Um, he confessed to this murder in 1995, was tried, convicted, and sentenced to die for that one. 1978, he used a 44 caliber uh, rifle to ambush Hustler publisher Larry Flint and his lawyer Gene Reeves. Um, they were leaving V&J Cafeteria during a break, getting lunch. The guys just ate lunch during a break in this trial. Um, Larry Flint and his attorney, Gene Reeves, they were struck by the gunman's bullets and they fell to the ground. Um, they were both rushed to a hospital. Reeves was only shot in the arm and yeah. the side. He recovered fully, but Flint would be paralyzed from the waist down from the event. Um, no one was able to really pinpoint that it was uh, Franklin who did it. Um, during the time, Flint was, was very active in Georgia before the trial, and uh, he was accused of selling Hustler magazines in Gwinnett County. So that's why, uh, that's why mm-hmm. there was this, um, he was there for an obscenity trial. Uh, the judge, who was at the scene of the shooting, ended up calling a mistrial, and they kind of threw out oh. the case. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. The guy, did, the guy was laying on hey, the you're ground. Parado- yeah, you're paralyzed for life. Let's just call this a mistrial, okay? It's fine. So in 1984, since like almost seven years later, um, white supremacist serial killer Joseph Paul Franklin confessed to the attack. He claimed to have been driven by depictions of an interracial couple in Hustler. He said, it just made me sick. I think whites marry with whites, blacks with blacks, Indians with Indians, Orientals with Orientals. 
He said he saw the magazine, was sickened by it, threw it down, and he thought, I'm going to kill that guy. Whoa. Yeah, but Flint survived the shootings, paralyzed from the waist down. And he advocated against the death penalty before Franklin's death. Yeah, he did. Um, July 29th, 1978, Franklin hid near a pizza hut in Chattanooga and shot Bryant Tatum, a black man with a 12-gauge shotgun. He also shot Tatum's white girlfriend, Nancy Hilton, who ended up surviving it. Were they coming in or out of the pizza hut? They were leaving the pizza hut. Oh, well, at least it had, you know, their their dessert and like the, you know, the... (laughs) Their double stuffed crust pizza. Yeah, because wouldn't you be so gutted if you were walking into the Pizza Hut and then you get shot? Because then you're going to be hungry and now you're shot. Yeah, but at least like this, you're full of pizza. on the floor. You can be like, oh, I've had pizza as my last meal, which is a great last meal. Do you guys, do you guys have Pizza Hut over there in the UK? Oh, yeah, yeah. The buffet, the Pizza Hut buffet. Oh, God. Uh, well, well, what don't you like about it? I don't like buffets that much, but in the US, it's just like. I suppose it's probably different just over here. Just to graze. Because they're obviously smaller. They're not like catered for the American. Point me to the trough. They're just, they're just smaller buffets here. But the ones here, they bring out fresh pizza. You see them do it constantly. I'm not a big fan like, of Pizza Hut's pizza, personally. It's not my favorite. Yeah. We're not going to get into the rankings of the pizza no. world here. But, you know, needs a must, whatever. I would eat it if I was You've got the soft serve at the end, you know? I always thought it was funny when Pizza Hut's like, we got to do marketing because it's PepsiCo that owns that company. It's like, you know, we got to do marketing. Let's come out with something that, you know, that's going to really like, you know, that tantalize the audience. It's going to make people flock to Pizza Hut. So it's like, well, let's do double stuffed crust pizza. So it's like, not only does pizza have enough cheese on it, and then it's got thick crust. Well, let's put cheese inside the crust because as if pizza doesn't have mm-hmm. enough cheese. Like, let's make this thing even more fattening. Give them more uh, cholesterol. One of the other reasons I'm not necessarily keen on a Pizza Hut is um, their chips, their fries are awful. I didn't even know they had, had French fries. You can get French fries and they're shite. So really? that's another reason why That must why be a UK pizza thing. Well, you can get fries everywhere, David. I didn't even know that. Fries exist. Yeah, they do, but it's a Pizza Hut. I don't think it's really. I don't think an American Pizza Hut they have French fries. I might just be wrong will. on this. They I'll will, and like it. I bet they just have like a massive tub of ranch dressing that all the fatos. They, just they go, do. Boom, they do boom, have that because yeah, see, because you're classy over there. <laughs> um, July twelfth, nineteen seventy-nine, and this is what really got me. This is what really made me just seething with beat, hatred. Though. Over yeah, this is, the Beagle. All right, that, yeah. that really got me too, but this one yes. this one made me cross the line. That Joseph Paul Franklin crossed the line for me here. Okay. Taco Bell manager Harold McIver, 27 oh. years old, a black man, was shot through the drive-thru window <gasps> from 150 That's yards awful. away oh in Doraville, Georgia. I've said yeah. this a few times, but being killed at work would be the absolute worst because you're only there to make money. You're not at work for the fucking fun of it. And how oh, much money? Was he making four dollars an hour? I hope that it was after he'd had his Taco Bell lunch as well, and it well, wasn't he was like working. You know, 10, Who knows? Ten minutes into his shift, I Franklin confessed, like... but was never tried or sentenced for this crime. He said that McIver was in close contact with white women, so he murdered him, killed a Taco Bell worker. Evil that man. Is, that is very evil. It is disgusting. They have a thankless job, selflessly serving the American public quality food. Yes. And he murdered him. This man has no moral compass. He really did it. He's an awful creature. 
1980, he uh, shot and seriously wounded civil rights activist and Urban League president Vernon Jordan Jr. after seeing him with a white woman in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, June 8th, 1980, he confessed to killing cousins Daryl Lane and Dante Evans Brown, just 13 or 14-year-old kids. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was just hanging out on an overpass, just waiting for a racially mixed couple to come by. So he's just sitting there like, there's got to be a racially mixed couple coming by sooner or later. Mm. But then he saw a couple black guys, these black kids, just two boys, riding their bikes, and he shot them instead. He was convicted for that in 1998, received two life sentences for those murders. June 15th, 1980, he shot and killed Arthur Smothers, 22, and Kathleen uh, McCulloch, who was only 16, with a high-powered rifle as they walked across the Washington Street Bridge in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Smothers is black. McCullough was white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's his ultimate hatred, it seems, isn't it? If he sees a black person and a white person together. Hated interracial couples. Became enraged, yeah. Um, He was never arrested for those murders, but he did confess during a jailhouse interview. June 25th, 1980. So keep in mind, this guy murdered like over 22 people, but you don't really know... If, in full detail yes. how many because he confessed to so many murders he was also mm. you know paranoid schizophrenic yeah this is a bit um, like Otis Tool, isn't it like now I'm in jail I'll just I'll admit I'll to anything start admitting to more it might not have been me yeah um but in June 25th 1980 he used a 44 Ruger to kill two hitchhikers Nancy Santamara at only 19 and Vicky Dur- Durian 26 this was in West Virginia he confessed to the crime in 1997 um, he said he picked up the white girls and decided to kill them after one told him that she had a black boyfriend. Really? It's a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm surprised. Like, he must have asked them or something. He, you know, I think he would have led that, the conversation round to that one of he? He probably did. It's like, oh, tell me about your boyfriend. Yeah. What's his skin color? What race is he? It's What's like at that name? point, just be like, none of your business. All right. Yeah. I'm so amazed, though. So many women were murdered hitchhiking back then you yes. just don't want to hitchhike in the u.s you could do it in europe but you just don't want to do it in the u.s well it's still kind of dodgy here now but i mean everyone did it back then like it was just yeah, but so many i mean it's like i mean it's like fishing a barrel for serial killers oh of course you it know is. like getting into a man's car for this particular uh murder these two murders um a man named jacob beard was convicted in prison in 1993 on these charges. He served six years. Before, 19, wow. and before 1999, he was freed because of uh, Franklin's confession. I wonder how much he sued the state for. I hope a lot. Yeah. Mm. Um, August 20th, 1980, Franklin shot his last victims. An Eagle Scout, no less. David Martin and his friend, his friend Ted Fields, who was the son of a preacher, both young black, black men. Uh, they've been jogging with two white classmates in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, I guess he did make it kind of west. As I say, that's yeah. pretty much over here. Because when you said Missouri before as well. Yeah, I Missouri. Like, well, he must have. Uh, that's oh, okay. over like, yeah, on the other side. So he's going. He, yeah. He, these um, are all federal crimes. I mean, you commit a, a crime. You commit a crime in one state and then go to another state and commit a crime. There's your federal crime. You can go to jail for fucking ever just by doing a federal crime. Well, I mean, yeah, at this point. Plus, he he didn't really seem to have you know any qualms about confessing to these murders. I know they say. I, I think you said earlier on that it sounds like that they were saying he's a paranoid schizophrenic. This is not the acts of a paranoid schizophrenic. This is the acts 
act of a man who is in in with intention who clearly knows what he's doing well yeah i mean plus the, the fact that he like acquired all this weaponry and was robbing and banks for the money and all that but i think yeah, it, i think what they're saying is schizophrenic. schizophrenic is his just his pathological hatred for the, for mm. black people and for jews and the fact that he felt like jews were the most evil race of white people were plotting against them i think that's kind of why they attribute it to um schizophrenia but yeah, I question it too because you think most schizophrenics could they plan murders they, like this? Not to this, no, not to this degree over a three-year period. And like, he's killing multiple people in a month in different states. So there's no way that he could have. But done he was this. just this drifting. Man, yeah, this man to me is like obviously he's a psychopath, but he's sane. I would not, I would well, not put I mean, him as a paranoid schizophrenic at all. You know, he he was on death row, so I mean, obviously. Well, people, there you go. Think, yeah, yeah, he was in competence and mm -hmm. trial. Um, so these two murders were his last. Uh, he re after he killed them in Utah, he returned uh, to mid the Midwest, traveling through Kentucky. Um, he was detained in question regarding a firearm that he was transporting in his car. He ended up fle fleeing from this interrogation, but authorities recovered enough evidence from the vehicle to link him to the sniper killings. So Brilliant. he kind of messed up at this point. Yes. Um, his conspicuous racist tattoos, coupled <laughs> with his habit of visiting blood banks, led investigators to issue a nationwide alert to all blood banks. And so in 19, October 1980, the tattoos, you know, the Grim Reaper tattoos, I'm sure he had like swastikas as well, drew attention of a Florida blood bank worker who contacted the FBI. And he was arrested in Lakeland, Florida, October 28, 1980. He was tried on federal civil rights charges as well as state first-degree murder charges. Mm -hmm. So when he was in prison, um, this is where I guess he had a, psychi a psychiatrist who interviewed him at length. Um, and she testified for the defense because they were going the insanity route. Of course. She believed of he was course. a paranoid schizophrenic, unfit to stand trial, noted his delusional thinking, and a childhood history of severe abuse. Oh, yes. Blame the mother. In yeah. October 2013, Flint called for clemency for Franklin, asserting that a government that forbids killing among its citizens should not be in the business of killing people itself. Well, he's very correct. Yeah. I am against the death penalty, though, so I'm obviously going to side with Larry Flint. Well, he was on death row for 15 years. And uh, at the Potosi short, Correctional really. Center near Mineral Point, Missouri. There's um, people, I mean, yeah, that is like a short time to be on death row. Yeah, well, 15 to 20 years, isn't that kind of normal? Um, there's people who've been on death row for like nearly 30. Yeah, I guess uh, the state Supreme Court in Missouri in August 2013, they said Franklin's going to be executed later this year. And they, they uh, actually pinpointed a date. They chose a date, November okay. 20th, 2013. They said that uh, by setting an execution date, the state high court has taken an important step to see that justice is finally done for the victims and the families. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about his execution is it was complicated because during this period, so 2013, the European drug manufacturers who um, you know, made the drug, uh, was, it, was it, what's the drug that they use? I forget. It's not just phenobarbital. It's like another- I can't I can remember this because the drug was actually coming from Britain. And when we stopped selling it to you guys, because we were like, well, we're against the death penalty and that's what you're using it for. We're cutting off your supply. 
America then turned to the EU, to Europe, and like then loads of countries stop selling the uh, the sedative. It's the first yeah, one. Yeah, it's not phenobarbital. It's another sedative. I can't remember. Yeah, there's three. There's three solutions. Three chemicals. Students, yeah, um, every country in Europe stopped selling it to America because pre- yeah, I think because I don't think that. there's a country in Europe that has the death penalty. Could be wrong there. People I'm sure someone will let me know. Um, but, um, but yeah, they objected on moral grounds to having their drugs used in lethal injection. And yes. so in response, Missouri announced it's just going to, for uh, Franklin's execution, they're going to use a new method of lethal injection, which used just a single drug rather than the, the trio of drugs. Okay. And this is provided by an unnamed pharmacy. It's just a bunch of cyanide. Is it a cyanide capsule? No, nah, I think it's phenobarbital, but they okay. use like the sedative and the other... Uh, the other yeah. agents. So he was granted a stay of execution over concerns about this new method of execution because they thought it was cruel because it hadn't been tested. Right, yeah. And then a second stay was granted because Franklin was claiming that he was mentally incompetent to be executed. But an appeals court quickly overturned both stays and the Supreme Court rejected any final appeals. So he, Franklin, Joseph Paul Franklin was executed at the Eastern Reception Diagnostic and Correctional Center in Bone Terre, Missouri, November 20th, 2013. Execution began at 6.07, and he was pronounced dead at 6.17. It's only 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, it was the first lethal injection in Missouri to use phenobarbital alone instead of the conventional three-drug cocktail. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was a bit, yeah, definitely unconventional. Uh, three media witnesses said Franklin did not seem to show any pain. He didn't make any final written statement. He did not speak a word in the death chamber. And you mentioned to me before we started recording that he didn't even have a last meal. Yeah, I always look that up because I'm always interested in the last meal. Yeah, that shows you what a fucking asshole he is. The fact he's <laughs> like didn't have a last meal. Yeah. They should give asshole. him like an ethnic last meal, like matzo ball soup or something. <gasps> that is exactly <laughs> what they should have done. Here's some yes. challah. Yeah. Um, after the injection, he blinked a few times breathed heavily a few times, swallowed hard, and then the heaving of his chest slowed and finally stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, a few days prior to the, ele- uh, to the um, um, execution, he said he had renounced his racist views. He said his motivation had been illogical and was a consequence of an abusive upbringing. And he oh. said he had in- interacted with black people in prison and he saw... They're just people just like us. You know what? He watched American History X in prison <laughs> and then was like, I'm just going to copy this. <laughs> yeah. This I think I think now. what happens, he was getting desperate. Final days oh, were approaching. Yeah, it, they always do that. They either, they either turn to God. Anyone who turns to God in jail is a fraud and a phony. It's like AA people who suddenly start believing in God instead of drugs. Yeah. Like, no, you, you're just brainwashed. It's as simple as that. It's well, big brains times here. The uh, godfather of criminal profiling, former FBI special agent John Douglas, he uh, wrote a book about Franklin. He said Franklin shook him more than any other killer in his 25-year uh, career. He said many oh, of the wow. murderers I've interviewed was usually a sexual bent to their crimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll show emotion, even if it's just bullshit. But this guy, Joseph Paul Franklin, was a different animal. I was hoping for a faint glimmer of remorse. Instead, he was always bragging, boasting, even trying to educate us 
on how he planned all of his crimes. So he was like mansplaining his racist crimes. <laughs> what a dickhead. To John Douglas. Um, and then he was saying, they asked him about it, you know, days before he was scheduled to be executed. He was like, well, Franklin expressed remorse, but Douglas said he wasn't convinced. He said he showed remorse towards the end because they're getting ready to fry him. Yeah. He, Which know, happens. Well, yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. He said when I interviewed him, he was still fighting the death penalty, and he spoke to us about his shootings like he was hunting deer, laughing, joking, boasting about it. He didn't care who these people were because in his mind, they were his enemy. This guy sounds like a true psychopath in more ways than other killers that we've covered before. You know, I don't approve of the death penalty either because I think it's far worse to rot to live on death suffer. row. You know, for the rest of your life, be in a cage. However, I don't think the world's really missing this guy. <laughs> I don't think it's, you no. know, I, the fact that uh, Joseph Paul Franklin isn't still, you know, walking around. I don't think it's a big loss to humanity. No, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> but I, I do agree that um, it's very hypocritical of a society to yeah. be like, you shall not murder. And yet, but it's okay that I can murder you. It's so... It's a fundamental flaw in a society that can do that. And plus, when you think about it, how many other countries in the Western world actually have the death penalty? There's like Japan, Russia, and then besides that, it's all the Middle East. So yeah, like, East. as America is like, you know, you're a forward-thinking country. You're always, you know, why why would you align yourselves? Well, my with whole this? thing with, uh, with the death penalty is like, so many convictions are overturned because they have new evidence. Uh, yes. Well, then how yeah. can you trust that? How can you, you sentence can't. this person to death when you're not 100% certain that they committed the crime? You cannot. And yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's bad. So in, yeah, and plus, <laughs> I, think it's, I, think it's more, I think it's more of a punishment to be in a cage for the rest of your life. Oh, of course. You die. It's like, yeah, it's awful. Being anyway, alive sucks. <laughs> to bring this full circle and back to Larry Flint, do you know Larry Flint was married five times? I Five wives that. that guy had. Because he is insatiable, darling. Yeah, but that means he, there that... was only he may have had five wives, but he only had one love. Who, Althea? Althea. They were like the perfect match. And her yeah, but that means he must sad. have still he must have still been fucking while he's in that wheelchair. Well, maybe not if he's had four of a wives. <laughs> oh, prior to it, yeah. But yeah, he yeah. Had well, five, I think he was wives. he was married before Althea, wasn't he? And then Althea was his second wife, so he's had three wives since Althea. So he must have been fucking in that wheelchair. Yeah, but that could also be why they left him, because you know the money, the fame is all the draw. But then after like a couple of years of not being fucked, rogered hard by your husband, <laughs> you're gonna be a bit like, well, where is this relationship going, Larry? We had five daughters, a son. And, mm -hmm. grand, and grand, many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Um, Good for him. I didn't know this, but he'd become an evangelical Christian for one year, converted in 1977 by Ruth Carter Stapleton, the sister of President Jimmy Carter. Did you know Did that? Did you not know that? That's when that. Hustler stopped showing taint. Was it in 1977? That's when Hustler was like, um, yeah, they stopped showing any form of taint. The magazine nearly collapsed and folded because he went down this kind of evangelical Christian route. And that's what led up to him doing this whole Jer um, Jerry Farwell thing. It was oh, part afterwards. of it. Well, yeah. he became a born again. And then he had a vision from God while flying with Stapleton in his jet. He continued to publish the magazine, although he vowed at that point to hustle for God. 
but then later declared himself an atheist. (laughs) What Um, a guy. Apparently, obviously, I just thought obviously his pecker must work if he's got all these kids. So he can't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He 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 must must... have a sex swing. I bet he had a sex swing, which will soon be up for like auction. Like, you know, when a dead per- when a person dies, all their shit goes to oh. auction. Larry Flint's sex swing. I haven't had sex with too many disabled people. But I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming that you're limited in the position. So there must be some devices yeah. that you could buy. Oh yes, of course. I wonder if they Adam and Eve sells anything like that. I bet he totally had like a specialized wheelchair. He I bet he had his fucking chair. His fucking wheelchair. The fucking wheelchair. And when he got himself in that fucking wheelchair, if you were his wife, you're gonna be taken to Pound Town. He's gonna roll <laughs> you into Pound Town, baby. Do you think he rolled he around while he was fucking? I bet he would. I bet you know, he could take you all around the house in it. <laughs> so then you could be like, I'm gonna fuck you in every room of this house today, baby. You're like, yeah. I dare you to. And he would. <laughs> um, he disowned his eldest daughter, Tanya Flint oh. Vega, after she became Ooh. a Christian anti-pornography activist. And Jesus. she wrote in a 1998 book called Hustled that Larry Flint sexually abused her as a child, often calling her names. Flint vehemently denied the charges, and he actually took a polygraph and said that, um, and that he was in possession of a tape recording of his daughter admitting that she made up the accusations for money. So he probably well, cut he, her off. Yeah. And she was uh, pissed off about it. If you ask me who I'm going to believe, an atheist or a Christian, I'm always going <laughs> to believe the fucking atheist. I'm not going to believe the Christian. His other daughter, Lisa Flint uh, Fugit, died in a car crash in Ohio, October 2014, at the age of 47. Oh, that's young. And Larry Flint passed away uh, this past Wednesday, February 10th. At the age of 78. I'll raise my glass to Larry Flint, though. Rest in peace, Larry Flint. He's a warrior of free speech. His steadfast fight and continued fights against censorship redefined obscenity laws. Even though YouTube and Facebook are resurrecting the puritanical ways of our country, we need more people like uh, Larry Flint. You know? And personally, I think everybody should buy a hustler and have a wank in honor of Larry Flint this weekend. A wank to the king. A wank to Larry Flint. Yeah. People, this is episode 778 here at Sick and Wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. We have some horrifying losing virginity stories coming up a little later in the show. But first, here's a quick word about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. No, you lay the mattress, you know, you'll just put down like some toilet paper so it doesn't like create splashback and it doesn't, it can drop nicely onto them. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You, you put a, you put like a layer of toilet paper just like over the water? Yeah, you've laid the mattress and that way you can have, you can also have then a silent shit. So if you're worried about other people hearing you, hearing you just the- laid, you've laid the mattress. I've never heard this. This is yeah. like the pinnacle of British propriety. You know, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, when you go for a shit in an American toilet, does everyone not within a three mile radius hear you because of how much fucking water it is? Is it does no, it not create like a mini kind of like effect? No, it's the grunting usually. <laughs> we, eat a, we eat a lot of food. There's a lot of stuff to pass. It's all that corn syrup, by yeah, There's a lot of grunting. But also, I mean, it's, yeah, we're not making like a little fucking 
a little you know, mattress, a little, a little shit bed. net. Like it's a catch it. Like it's like yeah. a trapeze dangling from your anus <laughs> and falling like, yeah, it's like fucking, this is like Cirque du Soleil, basically. You ever see that? The water one? It is, but you know, it's but with shit. Britain, mate. Shit du Soleil. Shit. That's what this I'm is. not saying everyone lays a mattress. <laughs> I'm just saying that some people this- wink, wink. <laughs> I wonder if a lot of British women do this. This must be a British woman Probably. thing. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think of- so first news story we have here is a true story. Of a mother's love for her daughter. Ooh, I and, wouldn't know what that's like. And two Home Alone-esque style assassins. That I don't oh. know why anyone would ever hire these guys. Oh. Yeah. Um, mom pretended to be daughter to save her from murder for hire plot and ended up losing her life. Wow. Happened in Louisiana. Mother was killed in a murder for hire plot, allegedly arranged by her brother. What? After pretending to be the killer's target to save her daughter's life. So her brother wants her daughter, his niece, dead. Yes. Okay. It's the ultimate sacrifice. Do you think your mom would nope. have done this for you? Nope. No. 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 What, what about drunk dad? Would he have done it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't think so? Not even for no. like a bottle of bourbon? I mean, like, yeah, they love me, but they don't give up their life love me um, although my dad technically gave up his life for the ball <laughs> so yeah. there you go he would have, the ball. I, your dad would have probably sacrificed his life for another bottle of bourbon he liked whiskey not bourbon all right whiskey mm-hmm. <laughs> um beau cormier it's a very good louisiana name yeah Ooh, 35 so is accused of arranging a hit on his own niece after he was arrested for allegedly raping her in March 2020. Oh, right. Okay. I was about to say, why is he wanting the niece dead? Yeah. So this guy lame. raped his Cross own an niece. Evil uncle. Yes. Raped his own niece, March 2020, just last year, and uh, arranged for a hit on her. Wow. Cormier is a convicted sex offender. He allegedly hired two friends who authorities identified as Andrew Eskeen, 25, and Dalvin Wilson, 22 to carry out the hit to prevent his niece from testifying against him at the trial. So he had the sticky bandits, or the wet bandits, depending on how you want to know them. I'm going with sticky on this. <laughs> the bumbling bandits. The bumbling Nefarious bandits. Nefarious plot. Mm-hmm. But there's a wrench in the, uh, in the plants here. When, uh, when uh, Dalvin Wilson came to the family's home in January and asked for the intended target by name... 34-year-old Brittany Cormier, the mom, also um, Beau's sister, came to the door and pretended to be the rape victim, accepting her fate to save the life of her daughter, the actual victim. She must have looked good at 34 if they were like, yeah, she's 16. That's her. There's a, there's a couple things. A couple things here I want to Also, mention. yeah, wouldn't they have been given a picture? Wouldn't you at least show them a Facebook picture and be like, this is her, okay, this one. Yeah, like how one, stupid and inept are these two killers? Like who would just like show up and then ask for the target by name? 
Yeah, that's also very you stupid. Don't, don't you have a pick? Your the mm-hmm. niece is a teenager, not an adult in her mid thirties. You the house, like you know, going to Hot Topic, and then you'd abduct her on her way to Hot Topic, put her in your van, take but, her to a wooded area, then, and kill her. Job's done. The niece is a teenager, not an adult female in her thirties. Can't you tell the difference between a girl that's like fourteen versus a girl that's a woman that's thirty-four? Well, let me tell you something, D. Simon. I still get ID'd for buying booze. Well, that's because you're like four foot eight. It is because I'm very short. But uh, so they, if the mum is short and the daughter is short, like who's to say that the mother isn't in like fine fettle? Who's to yeah, say she but look very good. Also, you're probably going into offies with dimly lit lights. Like if they saw you in daylight, they'd be like, "Oh, she's a northern slag." Yeah, no, another northern <laughs> slag coming in and buying the booze. Yes, but I the... am only awake at night as well, which keeps my skin in wonderful condition. The other thing, though. Why would you answer the door? Random guy at your, you know, random, two random guys show up at your house and knock on the door being like, hey, I'm looking for their 12 year old, her 12 year old daughter. Would she be like, no, she's not here. I'm not opening the door to these two random guys. You know, like what I was saying recently as well. I was like, I just don't answer the phone unless I know the number. I do not answer my phone. I have that same policy for my door. If I know well, no that someone is bunker. coming round, no one can get in the bunker unless I have like security cleared you. So unless I know you're coming round, I don't answer the door ever. So that was her. She shouldn't have answered the, what you're no. answering the door for unless you're waiting for like your delivery pizza. Yeah, Why that's the thing. These the guys door? didn't even try to use a ruse like wear a UPS uniform or do anything. They were mm-hmm. Amazon, you know, worker hat yeah. or something. They just showed up. They're like, hey, we're looking for your daughter. And Is so, she here? Yeah, so she she opened up the door and she's like, I'm her. And then they shoot her. And then it's kind of a bit pawn hubby as well, isn't it? It's like, Is your daughter home? I'm the daughter. And then, you know, it goes kind to of, some hardcore yeah. fucking. Yeah. Or hardcore murdering. And so they <laughs> murdered the mother, thinking that she was the niece. And then Brittany's neighbor, the mother's neighbor, was 37-year-old Hope Nettleton, was also in the home at the same time. And she was killed while trying to fight the gunman off. Oh, shit. The name's yeah. got some moxie. This I lady's a true warrior. She's a yeah. warrior. Like, she knew she was going to die. I mean, she just witnessed a murder. So she's definitely going to die. So instead of, like, begging for mercy, she went she out fighting. Went yeah, yeah, good for her. Good she's on like, you, Hope. She's like Lucy fucking Lawless, except she's just not as good at fighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or living. Or living, yeah. Yeah. Um, Authorities withheld the nature of the Cormier's relationship to protect the uh, name of the alleged rape victim. Um, however, Brittany Cormier's obituary named Beau Cormier as the brother. And in fact, he served as a pallbearer at her funeral on January 21st. What a cheeky cunt. Yeah, like talk about salt yeah. on the wound. That is, man. Like, I mean, he's trying to maintain an alibi that he didn't cause any of this. Uh-huh. So he probably had to attend. But how awkward would that he have been for everybody? Yeah. I mean, you're the reason your own sister was murdered. You paid two assholes to murder your sister and you raped her, your niece. As I was saying, the niece will be at the funeral too because yeah. obviously that's her mum and they will have to sit in the little family section together, won't they? 
What a cun. Ah, oh, no, this guy's the worst. He's yeah. the worst. He is not no um, Brittany's daughter and stepdaughter had been hiding in a nearby closet when the women were shot to death. Neither were oh. harmed. And this is another reason why these two killers are Home Alone-esque, inept, bumbling fools. <laughs> Wouldn't you check the other rooms? Like, would you do a sweep of the house? You would do a sweep of the house and you wouldn't murder anyone that you found. Leave no witnesses. Leave no traces. Leave no traces. Yeah. Um, Brittany's friend, Samantha Lamar said she would do anything for her kids. But to this extent, I never thought it would ever come down to this. Well, no um, she said maybe... The kids hid in the closet because they were scared. But I like to think she locked them in the closet to protect them. She might have. I mean, she's a brave lady. I mean, she must have known she that. She must have uh, known. Yeah. yeah, something was going to come down. She must have heard rumors about the town. Or to be like this already paranoid. To be like, people are looking for my daughter to murder her. Then why would you open the door? With two random guys and, show up. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I still don't understand. Okay, it's it. a weird, yeah, there's definitely situations that are being left out here. So the attack had been planned by Bo. Um, he had Eskine and Wilson conduct surveillance at the family's home sometime right before November. And then in November 2020, Eskine and Wilson returned to the home in an attempt to carry out the hit, but it was a failed attempt. Turned out a neighbor spotted the vehicle in the area at the time. Um, and he, uh, I guess, reported to police a suspicious vehicle, so they, they abandoned it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he provided that information to investigators at the time. So investigators already knew that there was a suspicious vehicle scoping you know, out this house. So they already knew this. Months later, January 13th, Wilson returned to the home on his own in the same vehicle, Turns out Eskine, the other his accomplice, had to go out of town. So there's just one guy that came back to do just, the hit. Just one of the bandits. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, he came out and, uh, and, and carried out the fatal, uh, the fatal attack. Um, although um, Eskine was not physically present at the shooting, since he provided his vehicle to Wilson, helped him plan the attack, he's also being convicted of murder. Good. Um, authorities were able to piece the crime together using the neighbor's critical information, especially that one guy already pinpointed the vehicle um, and reported it. They also had surveillance images that allowed them to track the vehicle that was using the attack, and then they arrested all three men, Wilson, Eskin, and, uh, and Bo Cormier. Wilson and Eskin immediately rolled on their friend, Bo, and confessed their role in the slayings and said that Cormier hired them to kill his own niece. Although, Does it say for how much? Yeah, I was about to say, no, they don't specify how much he paid them. Couldn't have been yeah. that much money, though. Uh, yeah, I doubt Bo has a lot of money. No, the guy's a convicted sex offender living in, like, I don't know, backwoods Louisiana. Yeah. I bet you it wasn't more than $1,000. Oh, God. For I human like, life. His own niece. Yeah, for a 14-year-old girl as well. Uh, the death penalty is on the table, absolutely on the table in this case. Um, but the uh, the DA is planning to talk to the victim's families before reaching any conclusions about whether to pursue capital punishment. He also commended investigators for their work to solve the case. These guys worked tirelessly around the clock solving this case, started off with just a smidgen of evidence, took it from there, ultimately ended up with three arrests and confessions. Yeah. Smidgen. I think the takeaway, if, if there mm. is a takeaway here, 
is don't hire your friends to kill your family members. You, you should never hire your friends to do work for you regardless. Find a because professional would, on the dark web. Find a professional. Go on the dark web. That's where they just, live. Just going to go messy. Never miss. Never mix your friendships with like business and pleasure. No, Have you can't trust lives, your friends people. to do the, 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 carry out some kind of hit, especially a hit. Especially these bumbling idiots. And then the, then the further note, don't open your door to some strangers that show up asking unless, to see your daughter. Unless they have pizza. Always open okay. the door for a man well, with pizza. That's the thing. If they had showed up with any kind of like carrying a box, a birthday cake, mm. flowers, pizza, in a clown suit with balloons, I can understand opening the door. But these are just two dumbasses like, is your daughter home? Your fucking Ooh. 14-year-old kid. Speaking of clown suits, don't you just want to go back to those more innocent times, those more innocent summers when um, people in clown suits were terrorizing the world? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that an innocent time? It was only a couple years ago, isn't it? I know. Don't you just want to go back to that time and relive it? Wasn't that great? Was that in the UK or was that here or was that everywhere? It was a bit in the UK, but it was definitely an American thing. But, like, oh, wasn't that just a better time? Uh, Reminded me of the ICP. Yeah, good good times. (laughs) What do you have here for the second story? For the second story, I have that a Bentonville man was accused of placing dead animals on former neighbor's grave. Ooh. Love it. That's rude. This happened in Pea Ridge, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. I've never been to Arkansas. In fact, I'm not even quite sure where Arkansas even is. I was thinking in my mind, I was like, where is Arkansas? It's kind of like, I don't even know. know up there but not up there it's kind of like is it the south is it by oklahoma it's like where they you know they're they're probably scared of satanists in arkansas aren't they i'm looking up arkansas because i'm not even quite sure where it is yeah and then you can describe to me i'm sure it's like bible belty arkansas let's see where is arkansas okay wow it is kind of i love it do you remember that vine where she's like america please explain to me why is this not Arkansas? <laughs> you know that vine? I don't think I've seen that one. No. Oh, it's good. I'll show it's, you later. Okay, it's sandwiched between Oklahoma, Tennessee, just above Texas. Yeah, that's definitely the And just below Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, so this kind of the south. From, from Arkansas. So, a 78-year-old Bentonville man was arrested on Monday for defacing objects of uh, public respect, which is a Class B felony. And this is what they're saying. He was allegedly placing multiple dead animals on a man's grave. Just wait, one on top? They're stacking them? We're going to find out. What kind Uh, of animals? Like skunks, raccoons? So this guy, Joseph A. Stroud, which police have said that he's done more than two and a half grand's worth of damage... (laughs) To a former neighbor's headstone. So he knows this guy. He was staining it with the blood of de- dead animals. And for some reason, that just doesn't wash out in the rain. This is like classic redneck passive aggressivity. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the daughter of like the uh, the dead guy, she had contacted police in like late July. And she was saying that her family had been finding dead animals on the grave of her grandfather. And they, it's been going on for a couple of months, at least two months at this point. God, he's been doing it for two months. For two months. So this is kind of like what um, had been reported. At first, they thought it was just a coincidence. And they thought that maybe the animals were consuming the fake floral arrangements that people put on their graves and dying. 
When they began finding more dead animals, they realized it wasn't just a coincidence. Someone was placing the dead animals there purposely. Class, they just deducted that. It's like somebody is bringing in these dead animals. So they'd removed 16 animals from the grave, 16 dead animals. Uh, one animal, animal had been draped elegantly over the headstone, and that's the one that stained the headstone brown. So, like, that must have just gushed blood out. Would you think it was, like, Satanists or something? Well, I bet they did. I yeah, bet they like, did. I would think it was, like, some a group of teens, like, ne'er-do-wells mm. coming in here, doing like, listening to Iron Maiden and then sacrificing animals. So to, to help sort this problem, the cemetery were like, okay, we're going to set up a couple of cameras, and they captured some images. They captured images of a subject walking up to the headstone with a dead animal in hand. They watched them place the dead animal on the headstone and then walked back to their vehicle. The vehicle was identified as a gray, newer model Dodge Journey. I have no idea what type of car a Dodge Journey is. I don't, I'm not imagine. even sure what Dodge Journey is either. Was he carrying the dead animal? Did they have it in a backpack, suitcase? Uh, it says dead animal in hand. So he just so had just, a dead animal. He was just handling it. I don't know what kind of, I'm really curious to know what kind of animal this is. So the police say that the subject in the images appear to be an elderly white male. Listen to this. Wearing he's so he's wearing denim overalls. An elderly white male wearing denim overalls, very farmery. Uh, they were blue. He had uh, he also had blue slip-on shoes with a white sole. So is that like Crocs maybe? Or maybe Vans, something Slip, like that. Yeah, Vans yeah. probably. But he was also attempted to disguise himself because he had on a teal and white woman's windbreaker jacket, sunglasses, and a woman's wig. In my mind, when I was reading this, he kind of reminds me of Buffalo Bill. Oh, kind of. But it wasn't that's he what wearing... I'm imagining. When Buffalo Bill was dancing around, wasn't what was he wearing like no, a that's robe not or something? I'm just imagine. I'm just imagining. You know, when Buffalo Bill first abducts her in the car. That's just kind of what I'm thinking about. Buffalo Bill would go about outside in like a woman's outfit with a wig on. That's just what I, I think. I can see that. Yeah, sunglasses, like. a blonde wig, and a windbreaker. So this said, uh, this granddaughter Nobles, she was she was like she wanted to solve this. She was like a member of the Scooby Gang. So she was <laughs> driving by the cemetery multiple times a day, and one day, she saw a gray Dodge Journey leaving the graveyard. And she decided to follow it. She's going to stalk it. And it went into a Walmart um, a Walmart parking lot. This guy's like, going to Walmart next. She's like Angela Lansbury. Where does <laughs> yeah, she Angela wrote? Lansbury. She's going to solve the crime herself. So she sat and waited in the car, waiting for the other person to get out. And as soon as she saw him, she fucking recognized him. Ooh. Because it was the old neighbor, the 78-year-old Stroud, who was a former acquaintance of her grandparents. So he knows the guy who's buried in the cemetery. He does. Okay. So Joseph Stroud and Fred McKinney, whose grave it is, had farms next to each other with a shared boundary. Sounds like so a feud. She, she told police that her grandfather and Stroud never got along with each other, and there was even a lawsuit between them that Stroud had lost. Okay, so, so this is some bad blood. Man. This is some yeah. bad blood that goes runs deep here. There's a history. So beef. also Stroud's wife, she's she's buried really close by to where her grand 
father's buried it's in the same line of headstones so also in my mind the clothes he's showing up in in disguise are his dead wife's oh, you think the wig belonged to his dead wife and the windbreaker yes totally the same Come size on, it's got to be from him what kind so, of dead animals does he put on his wife's headstone i am about to tell you so after she'd seen like this this guy getting out of Walmart. She drove back to the cemetery. She was like, I've got to go back. I've got to see. She went back to her grandfather's grave and guess what she discovered? Do you want to take a gander at the animal that it could have been? Um, a hedgehog. Do you have hedgehogs in America? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Guinea pig. Yeah, I wish we had hedgehogs. I mean, I think you can buy them. I think you can get them. I wish, yeah, I would happily swap hedgehogs for raccoons any days. Oh, my God. You'd rather have cute. a raccoon than a hedgehog? Do you not think raccoons are the cutest? No, I don't. What? The menaces. With their little, how are they menaces? They're, they have first cute of all, they're rabid. They'll no, bite you. Not, not oh, they are. They have rabies. They'll bite you. Oh, and totally they'll scare the, the shit out of you. Raccoon. Because in Michigan, I don't see them as much here. Although they, they, there are raccoons in California. But in Michigan, you would go take your garbage out. You'd be like fucking tired. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to go take my garbage out. Open up the trash can. and be like, five of those motherfuckers would just jump out. And you, it would scare the shit, the shit out of you. Literally, it did. I shit my pants one time. <laughs> I was so scared. I would love to shake hands of a little raccoon. I think they are so cute. I would totally have one as a little pet. They have cute little eyeliner, and I like their round, ringed tails. Oh, I think you're very hands. wrong on this. Yes, the little cute little grabby hands. And, you know, they're very clean. They like to wash their food before they they're eat it. They're rapid I think, creatures. I think they're adorable. Well, anyways, it's not dead raccoons, thankfully, but it is another animal I really, really like, and that's an opossum. You see the dead opossums. Another yeah. vile creature. Oh my god, they are so cute. How they can will you bite think the they're shit vile? Out of you. No, oh, they, I yeah. love I love their little tails. They they're marsupials as well, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they yeah, they're so cute. And I like the way they eat grapes. I've they're all fleshy with that them. gross fleshy tail. I like them. They're like big, big rats. They're also forest creatures, woodland creatures that I tend to avoid. I would shake hands and go go for coffee with a possum bite you so she, rabies. that's what she found there was a dead possum lying on top of the grave and this poor little dead mum and possum she had eight live babies that he'd stuffed inside of um, the flower vase that was attached on the headstone oh sorry vase to the american listeners whoa he shoved eight babies in a vase that were still living I know, eight cute little possum babies. See, I would have gone and rescued them and like made them my own. <laughs> Your brood? My little brood. Train them to do tricks? Yeah. Make a TikTok. Little... Yeah. Teach them to the, dance. The kids are make the TikToks. So she called the police to report the in incidents. Obviously, they then came over. They looked through all the footage, and it all like started to line up. Um, so the police are like, right. We're going to go and catch this son of a bitch who's leaving really cute dead animals on your grandfather's grave. I just find it insane that this guy murdered the mother of possum and then, like, stuffed all the babies. Or did he pull them out of her pouch and then stuff all the babies inside the flower face? Oh, see, I don't want to think about it. It's really cute. Like, those poor little babies. I hope they were okay. That's a great Valentine's Day gift, if you think about it. A vase just stuffed full of possum babies. That would romantic. actually be an amazing gift. It's very romantic. That would 100% be like Maybe one of the best gifts I would have A possum vase 
and a Hustler magazine. You're oh, my be, God. You are going to get anal tonight. Mark my <laughs> words. Every night. But, like, you can get anal till I'm loose for that present. <laughs> so the police... Um, the police officer knew who this guy was. She'd she'd fingered the perp. So they walked, they went to his house and they walked, had to walk by his car. Had a little deeks. Deeks is a great Cumbrian deeks. word. What does that mean? Deeks. D-E-E-K-S. Like deeks means looks, yes. Yeah. So right. they had a little deeks in his car. And they saw that he had a bath towel spread out over his uh over his back seat and it had loads of red stains on it, which you know. A pretty possum blood. blood. Yeah. Oh, the poor possum. As if you would kill a mother, a possum, when she's got eight live babies. She's so sad. In the face. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. So, knocked on the door. Stroud came. This old man. He wasn't wearing his getup. Um, and yeah, they said, should've. like, should've they were like, like, we're gonna take you to the police department for questioning. He should have right, wore the wig though, and then like assumed a voice and be like, "Oh, Mr. Stroud." Obviously, naturally, Stroud is like, he's saying he's got nothing to do with it. He said to the police, I'm not, no, I'm not going to tell you it was me because it wasn't. I'm pretty sure that's how they talk in Arkansas. That actually probably sounds, that sounds pretty good, pretty legit. Yeah. Uh, So the family, you know, despite, I don't know why they didn't just go inside the Walmart themselves and buy some cleaning supplies. They went to the local funeral home, um, and they were trying to like clean the grave, but the blood stain has the possum blood must be acidic or something, but it's stained it so far in they're gonna have to buy a new headstone. Huh. So it like which stained is, permanently stained the grave. Permanently stained, which is pretty cool, really. I would quite like a blood stained headstone for myself. I'm amazed you can't just like spray it off spray it or out. something. Yeah. yeah, I was like, possum blood must definitely be acidic. So like that's gonna cost them a couple of grand, up to three grand they have to pay for that. Oh. To replace yeah. the headstone. To replace the headstone. Stroud has been arrested. He's been booked into jail on a class B felony. Well, he's got felony charges brought up against him. Although he's like he's out on bail now, he's walking around amongst us, and I do like to think that he is like continuing his like possum killing. Do you think? Do you think he's transitioning? I think he's just wearing his dead wife's clothes. As as it's so like, whatever beef happened between them in this lawsuit. (laughs) He has not forgotten, has he? And he no, I mean, it must have been years. Never forget. I wonder if they and came he's... to fisticuffs. I don't know, but, like, this is such a weird act of revenge where you're like... Because <laughs> it takes time, doesn't it? You're going to go... You're so killing say, these it's very animals. Passive-aggressive. It's totally passive-aggressive. Like, he's doing... He hates this man so much that he's killing animals and desecrating his tombstone. Personally, what I would have done had this been me is i would have salted the earth so no grass could grow there so it'd be like a cursed tomb i would have done that and plus all you'd have to do that is like once maybe twice at night sneak in and salt the earth i think to do maybe this guy hated possums or something and that's why he's using that but i would have if it was me i'd have done something more symbolic like just left a turd just dropped a <laughs> deuce on his grave like right on the top of it like every, I don't know, every Thursday. And then the family comes. Yeah, like, but then they're going to catch you. And they're going to be like, well, we've DNA tested 
the fucking turd and we know it's due turd, so we know it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell someone's, like, religious preference by their turds? Well, yeah, they can because it's full of locks. Oh, okay. Locks and masa and bagels. There's some bagel fragments in here. This obviously came from a Jew. Jew feces. (laughs) Jew feces. Just salt the earth and there's your problem gone. And then everyone will always be like, why won't the grass grow on that grave? And you could be like, that's because he's an evil fuck. He's evil. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know what you could do too is you could do it in the word. Like you could be like, oh yeah, you could yeah. write a word, couldn't like, you? What gay. would you write? Gay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, pedo. the first word that Just came pedo. to my mind was rapist. I would have done it in rapist. That's a lot. That's a lot of words. I would have done pedo. That's four letters. Write an insult on his grave, and everyone be like, "Well, he wasn't really a pedo, but do you know for sure?" You can't know for sure. You can't. Yeah, you, you never can't say that he was not know for sure. me. That's a good. Yeah. Point. Could have been raping possum. You never know. People, send your story. Stickgroundpodcast.gmail.com. We have some phone calls to get to. Uh, we actually got a, a couple of losing virginity stories. And then one tragic Scottish Valentine's Day sta- tale. I actually had to... I, I'm going to have to have Kate translate this for me because this accent's so thick. Anyway. Yes, I can do that. Yeah. That's coming up next. But first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Free stuff is the best, but free stuff that will ignite your Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you will get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself, but here's where they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code at checkout diddle, not only do you get 50% off one item, you'll also get 10 tantalizing free items. First, for your viewing pleasure, six free movies next a free mystery pack that includes an item for him a special toy for her and something we know you'll both enjoy plus free shipping now that's a lot of free valentine's stuff so head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use code diddle again that's d-i-d-d-l-e so we got some Valentine's Day calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Um, people are still calling in with some virginity stories. That's great. You know, I'll still play nice. them. I'll definitely play them on the show. Um, but we want some more stories. We want some good ones. You got to keep it under three minutes. Remember that. Also, there's a brand new message on the hotline. Uh, recorded by yours truly. I put a lot of thought and effort into this. <laughs> I really did. Like, remember back in the 90s when people had answering machines? I was super into yes. it, like coming up with a very novel, innovative message. So I kind of tried to do something similar with the sick and wrong hotline. So give us a call, 323-522-4032. Um, this first call here is a virginity horror story, to say the <gasps> least. I, I can't really even describe it in any other manner. It's... A virginity horror story. So let's see how this one fares. Hey, D, and welcome, Kate, you delightfully slutty bitch. Um, hey. hey, anyway, about this. Uh... <laughs> Not the first guy that's ever said this to her, right? That's like the best greeting I've had in quite some time. <laughs> Reminds you of Drunk Dad. 
does. <laughs> I'm going to change my bio to say a delightfully slutty bitch. <laughs> the loss of virginity story. Uh, mine's mine's pretty horrific. Uh, I was uh, not circumcised at birth, uh, but uh, the first time I had sex with a woman, I uh, uh, my foreskin tore, and ah! that's a... he snapped well, he the banjo string. No, the banjo string is different to the force. The banjo string is connected to the skin it's a bit different what, wait, probably what difference? he means he means what what he should have obviously his foreskin was too tight for his cock so he should have had his foreskin cut off so he's torn his foreskin the wait then what's the banjo he's string not, the banjo string is that kind of like it's that um it's on the underside of the cock and it's what connects the foreskin to the dick. I don't think he means banjo string because you can rip a, you can snap a banjo string without tearing the foreskin. I think he means he's torn his foreskin because it's he's too ripped tight. The foreskin. I thought he ripped the banjo string. Yeah, but you can snap your banjo string and it doesn't affect your foreskin whatsoever. Well, you know a lot more about foreskins than I ever have. I'm going to be interested to see people writing in after this saying, no, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. We've that. had a guy that called him that snapped his banjo his string. His banjo string. Well, I've I never, know But somebody... I've never had a guy who's tore his foreskin. Yeah, one of my mates was riding a guy really fucking hard, and then she looked down, there was loads of blood. And he was a bit like, oh, yeah, you got your period, before he realized that he was the one in pain. And she snapped his banjo string by just, like, riding him really fucking hard. And... Yeah, so I think he's, I don't know, so let's do, play more do the s- Circumcised guys don't have banjo strings. Because that's what's connecting that's your That's what's connecting the, the foreskin to it. So it's the, oh, okay, so it's the piece of skin connecting the foreskin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't know what he, what he did. He said he tore his foreskin. Let's but find the, out. But uh, the solution was to get circumcised at age 16. So how's that for... A lose, how's that for a losing your virginity sex story? I like this guy's patter, as they say in Scotland. I like his banter. I like his patter. That's funny. Yeah, so I mean, it. so he obviously had to have... Maybe he means banjo string. Cause I I'm also thinking had he means num- banjo string. Because I had another mate skin. who used to repeatedly snap his banjo string, so much so that he had to have a circumcision at the age of 23. And I remember he, after he'd had the operation, he was obviously quite old to get his foreskin taken off. He's he 43? 23. Or 23, he used, to, right. he used to get it out in like the clubs and the pubs and show us all. We called him Franken Dick. And Wait, he because just... he was circumcised, or was his dick fucked no, up? No, because because his dick had been fucked up from the surgery. Not fucked up, but you know, it was still healing. There was a stitch in it, like one of those surge, like not a not a proper stitch. What do you call it? Um, a suture. A suture. There's yeah. suture in it. So yeah, it was all red and swollen, and he had to have salt baths for like a week. But it, he would get oh, his wow. cock out and be like, "Who wants to see Franken Dick?" We'd all be like, "Show us Franken Dick." <laughs> 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 there was a guy I remember uh, in uh, college who, well, he was actually a, a friend of mine from high school, but he came to he came to visit a, a few people that that were in college that we were in high school with. Anyway, they had a nickname for this guy. They called him Big Ball. And they're like, "What's up, Big Ball?" 
And I remember being, I knew him from, I don't want to say I'm his real name. I'm liking where this is going. Well, yeah. I knew him. I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say his real name in the air, but I knew him from high school. And I'm like, why do they, call? and I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And I was at this party where there's former you know, mm-hmm. friends of mine from high school were there. And, uh, Big Ball shows up and everyone's like, Big Ball, what's up? You know, what's going on? I'm like, why do they call you Big Ball? And they're like, show him the Big Ball. And I was like, what do you mean? He like pulls his pants down and he had one enormous testicle and then one small testicle. And I remember being like, dude, you should go to a doctor. Like, what the fuck? Describe it to me in like, right. So his big ball was like how big? Was it like the size of a like tennis ball? Like a baseball. Ball? Like a and baseball. The ball was the little ball like a ping pong ball. <laughs> yeah, I would say like the little ball might have been the size of like a large marble, like one of the big marbles. Or like maybe a pink, maybe a little smaller than a ping pong ball. But the big ball was at yeah, least the size amazing. of a baseball. And oh. I remember being like, yeah, sure enough, he had testicular cancer. <laughs> and so I ended up having the big ball removed. <laughs> so now he has one now ball. Like, now he's just got one little ping pong. He's got the ping ball. pong ball. That's it. So they call him ping uh, pong. Ball. Have you ever heard about blue balls? Oh yeah, well? I've suffered. Yeah, it sucks. my ex, my ex boyfriend suffered blue balls, and he went to the doctors about it. His doctor had to explain to him. He was like, "Yeah, you need to, you need to be wanking." <laughs> Wait, he went to the doctor for blue balls. No, he was like, yeah, because he hurt so bad he couldn't walk. He was walking what? with a limb. Yeah, his doctor was like, yeah, when's the last time I mean, you Yeah, walk? it sucks. He's but like, oh. so, you yeah, know, he a lot of people say that blue balls isn't even a thing. Well, it definitely was for him. No, I, it is. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you aren't able to come you know that's the one thing uh like when i was younger and i knew i was gonna get laid i would just go like i'd be like excuse me i gotta go to the bathroom and i just wank in the toilet or in the sink what when you knew oh when you weren't gonna get laid <laughs> you said when i was gonna get laid what so you could disappoint the lady even more no no if i <laughs> if i knew like i was messing yeah. around with the girl and she wasn't gonna have sex i'd just go in the bathroom and like go wank and, wank. and like the pocket of her robe or something. Yeah. Well, obviously she was going to be disappointed because like anyone well, yeah. sleeping, with I mean, sleeping, <laughs> sleeping with me <laughs> and sleeping Come with on. a Jew. Maybe. A Jew. I know. I mean, God, imagine like the self-fulfillment you would feel from. But that. as I got older though, mm. if I knew we weren't going to have sex, I'd be like, well, can I just jerk off on you? And they usually say, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they do. They're normally, yeah, they're yeah. like, because if, they, if they're not down for sex, but yet we're messing around and we're naked in bed. Mm. It's like when I was younger, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go into the bathroom. Go away from this. And I'm going to yeah. go wank in your coat pocket or your, you know, something or your Do you robe know, there's pocket a saying or something. Up, saying up north, David, where it's called shy burns getting out. Right? Well, I don't even know what that so, means. Shy burn. Like, it means like if you're- Gaelic? <laughs> no, it's just very northern. Oh, okay. Uh, shy burns means children and nout means nothing. So like if you're if you're shy about asking for something, you're not going to get it, are you? So you might as well ask. Always ask. In bed, ask oh, for no, something. I would. I'd be like, you know, later, you I can. realized this yeah. when I was older. You know, I'm talking about when I was like in my early 20s or something. But when I was like, by the time I was 30 and I'm messing around with a girl and we're naked in bed and she doesn't want to have sex because she's like, no, it's too soon. I'd be like, well, kind of just to like go, jack off on your tits. girls ever say that? As a northern slag, I have never once said no, <laughs> I highly doubt soon. you've ever said that. but Never, not once. I'm delightfully <laughs> slutty. <laughs> but anyway. 
All right, this next one, this is a good Valentine's Day call. You know, it's a Valentine's Ooh, Day show. So this is. is a this is a very um it's a good call for the Valentine's Day theme. Scottish Valentine. You might oh, have amazing. to translate this one for me. I think I probably will. Okay, second round. Trying again. This is Greg the trucker. Had a couple hey, of wines. Bottle of buck first. And a joint. I'm ready to tell nice. my tale. All right, I think I got that part. He's a trucker. He's ready to tell a tale. He's drank some bucky. He's Did ready. he say I missed that? He drank some bucky? He drank some bucky. Some buck he's, fast. Yeah, he's had some buck fast, which is a delightfully slutty drink. All right, I guess I totally <laughs> missed that one. But yes, he has some he buck fast. That. He mentioned Ready to fast. tell a tale. Mm-hmm. It's a Valentine's story tale. Valentine's Day. Involves me picking my wife up from work, six o'clock, cold fucking Scottish February night, and uh, her getting in an argument with me. Me. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm a little lost there. He's like, I picked my wife up. She something. It's a cold Scottish night. He's picking cold his wife up. Cold Scottish from, night, from and work. they get in an argument. Yeah. Okay. That's what he said. Taking the steering wheel on the A71 and throwing his face first into a fucking ditch. Rolling over a couple of times. And, uh... All right. And now it's it's taking a turn. <laughs> like he's in a yeah. ditch? Yeah, they were on the A71 and it's taken a turn. And now the car's rolled over and they're in a ditch. So wait, they, they took a turn. Their car's in a ditch. Yes, he's in a ditch. Okay, they're arguing... It's Valentine's Day. Day. They mm-hmm. get in an argument. Next thing you know, work. yeah. Next thing you know, they they roll over in a ditch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Her right out the fucking boot. Well, the the trunk in America. Yeah. The you know. And she gets tangled up in the old barbed wire like something off a of World War fucking one. Oh. The car. What? All right, I missed that whole thing. What do you say? So she's she's come out of the boot slash the trunk of the car. And she's tangled up in barbed wire like it's World War One. <laughs> Where'd the barbed wire come from? Because they're in a ditch at the side of the road. And like in, like, I imagine this is kind of like, this obviously isn't happening in Glasgow city centre. This isn't like probably like outside of Glasgow, rural Scotland. And like whenever you're driving in rural areas, the farmers all have barbed wire fences. Okay, so she... They got an accident. She flew through she, the trunk, she, she, like through the trunk from, of the car yeah, she's into gone the from barbed the front wire of the fence. Car to the back of the car. She's gone out of the boot. She's smashed through the fucking boot window, and she is now entangled in barbed wire fence. Like, um, you know that scene on Legends of the Fall? You ever oh, seen that yeah. movie? Love that movie. Tom anyways, Cruise, right? No, Brad Pitt, man. Oh, is that Brad Pitt? All right. It's Brad Pitt and Adrian Quinn. So this is a cautionary tale. You should wear your seatbelt when you're driving. She could have been wearing a seatbelt for all we know. Don't make assumptions. Upside down in a tree. What? I come round with my seatbelt on in the car. And I think I'm facing the right fucking way. I unclip my seatbelt and fall to the fucking ground, man. Fuck. Can't feel my fucking legs. Meanwhile, she's sitting talking to herself in the background somewhere. I don't know what the fuck she's rattling on about. Pretty all right, what was that? 
I, I'm, so he, <laughs> no, I he, was still, he was still strapped in. He thinks and he, he was fell the right on the, way. on the ground, right? He, well, yeah, he thinks he's the right way up. So he gets out the car and he falls on his knees. His legs aren't working. He can hear his wife somewhere in the background. She's making a ton of noises. He thinks she's in a tree. All right. Yeah, it's like I'm like speaking. I could be saying fucking anything to you. <laughs> I have no idea. It's like he's speaking Honestly, a different yeah, language. I, I could, like I can understand it. For myself, you know, pretty shitty situation. Shite situation. So, ambulance men come, they take me a wee first because I'm crying like a little bitch. Although yeah. she tells me when she got pulled out, the ambulance guy that was holding her leg together, he was going green. He said it, he, he said it felt like holding a bag of soup. Oh. Like a whole leg. Man, I was fucked. Like a bag of soup? Like a bag of soup. That's what her leg felt wow, it was like. just mushy. Just mangled yeah. flesh. Oh, that's minging. That's Ugh. pure minging, mate. She, was she is crippled. Still fucking crippled. <laughs> anyway, I guess. She's crippled. <laughs> she's crippled. And she's still crippled. He said, it sounds like he said, he, she's crappled. She's crappled. She's crippled. Possible. I'm crying like a little bitch. I can't feel my fucking legs, but I know I'm dying for a piss. For some reason, I'm dying for a piss. <laughs> and, uh,. Dying for a piss. A pish. Yeah. All right, all right. A piss. A pish. The only person that's there is my fucking mother-in-law. The <laughs> crippled wife's fucking mother is there. She works through my drawers. She says, fuck it. She grabs my dick. Bends me over, man. I like, have to piss in this little fucking... The pokey hat. Kate, you know what I'm talking about. The pokey hat in the hospital. Every... Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. So <laughs> let, me just, let me just see if I'm... If, I'm, if I yeah. heard this correctly. Uh -huh. So... He's in the hospital. He's laid he up. Is. He can't feel his legs. He's got to take a pish. And pish, the bad. only, there's no nurse. There's no one there. So his mother-in-law grabs his crank, takes yeah. it out and puts it in like the urinal thing. Yeah. The little, you know, they give you those little things that you piss in. So what did he call it? A poke in something? A little pokey hat. Cause they do look like triangular hats they kind of look like the things that you get at, um you know um water you know water fountains the little triangle cups they look like that oh there's little cones there's little cones there's little yeah the cones. little pokey hats so that's what he that's what his mother-in-law <laughs> is helping him pissing <laughs> so she grabbed the little pokey hats holding his dick while he's pissing god that's awkward this is a good mother-in-law isn't it yeah no this yeah. is like They've they've gotten a lot closer than She's most also, people ever also, get with their mother-in-laws. Well, this is also something off Pornhub as well. Puts <laughs> <laughs> in their head, but it's like we're fucking puking on. So I piss into this. They bend me back over. I'm like, I still can't feel my fucking legs. This little Asian doctor man, she must be like 21 or something. She comes in, she flips me back over, sticks her finger right on my fucking ass. And the next thing, <laughs> my, my feet clench like two fists. I feel my fucking feet again, man. Like, sign. <laughs> Wait a second. So, a 21 year old doctor. An Asian, little Asian an, doctor. Oh, she was Asian. I missed that. So, yeah. an Asian 21 year old doctor mm -hmm. flips him over, shoves her finger up his ass. And suddenly he regains feeling and it's a very regained feeling. Is this fast. some kind of like all right, is this near Eastern medicine or is this some kind of Scottish revival technique? Is 
I told you in the East, they're all obsessed with the fucking bowels, man. This is yeah. her being like, yeah, I can cure this guy with the bowels. Man. Fucking Hosanna. <laughs> so arse raped. Fucking mother-in-law held my dick. And a couple of my wife. There you go, man. Is that under three minutes? Hell of a night. Well, my wife also says that that year I didn't give a fuck all for Valentine's Day, but she came home like six months later with her legs built up by platinum. I suppose not every fella can. Wait, wait, wait. wait a second. So she was in. The, she was laid up for six months. Six months in yeah, the hospital. It's a cripple is a cripple. And wait, what? What's what? Her legs are platinum now. Yeah, because she obviously has had to come back with a lot of rework into her legs, hasn't she? They put like pins and and metal, like titanium. Platinum. Yeah, they must have done. Her leg was like soup. You heard the man, like ah. soup. Cockaleeky soup. They, they gave their, their their wife platinum fucking legs and hips and shit for Valentine's <laughs> Day. Well, there you go. Set three minutes. Cheers. Any more information required? Call me back. Let me know. Fine job there, Kit. Good stuff. Keep going. Cheers, Greg. That wow. was fucking brilliant, man. That was an uplifting story there. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely feel like Greg has uh, more stories in him. Yeah, no, that was a great, that was a great Scottish Valentine story. You know? I, I, I know it's not a losing your virginity story, but I kind of want to put it in the running just because I think his crippled wife deserves a prize. Yeah, I wonder, like, I want to know, does, uh, do, do the other things work down there? I mean, it's not like her back was broken, so, I mean, nah, the other things must yeah. work. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? This is actually part of my sexual awakening. You know the film Crash with James Spader? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a Cronenberg that, movie. Some of my earliest wanks were to that film. Yeah, well, did I they reenact all the famous crashes? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they do. It's just very sexy. I used to, I have a very worn copy of the tape, which I refused to throw away because I was like, I used to wank to this. We'll talk about it with Steel. <laughs> I'm not sure how sexy this um, crash tale is. <laughs> it's like a leg like soup. Yeah. Yeah, the legs uh... like soup. It was so, it's weird too. He picks her up from work. They get in an argument. It's fucking Valentine's Day. Next thing you know, the car's rolling. They fall in a yeah. ditch. She's, She's like caught up in the mm. barbed wire, you know. And he, then he's got his like mother-in-law's his mother-in-law's holding his cock. A lot of things happen in this story. Do you know what the moral of this story is? Is like, yeah, just don't distract the driver. I thought it was like, don't get married or don't celebrate Valentine's Day <laughs> or don't pick your wife up from work. That's what you need to do. Don't, don't never pick, pick your wife, your wife up, from, up work. from work. Your your wife's a bitch. <laughs> never pick her up from work. You're gonna. It. It's inevitable. You're gonna end up in. An I argument. want to put this in the running against Twisted Firestar. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Well, it's fucking. He's got to top it. You haven't listened to this runner. one. Oh. You haven't listened to this one. Hey, it's Tony. Um, in reference <gasps> to my last call, um, Marshall Island Tony calls in with it, a virginity story. And this is how it all started. So Tony already has bonus points, people. Nobody can come for me for how I'm scoring this competition. Tony is already ahead. If uh, we were to use the analogy of the movie Bloodsport, Tony would be <laughs> Bolo Young 
Remember Love Big it. Bolo Young? He was I like uh, Chong Lee in the movie. Yeah. And oh Twisted God, Firestarter would be Van Damme. And I think the Scottish Ooh. guy would be that uh, fat American dude with the big, the, the beard. You know, the the, the guy that wore okay. the Harley shirt. I'm trying to think of it in Roadhouse terms as well, but we'll do that after I've listened to this call. All right, yeah, yeah. We'll have yeah. to see that. I have to think about that. Yes, I could tell you some stories about the slanted slit in Japan someday. Especially when I used to work in the bar, <laughs> it was pretty fun. Um, yeah, and as far as losing the virginity goes, uh, I can combine that with Japan to give you kind of a two-for-one, although I'm not sure my virginity story is worthy of your professional podcast, but I'll let you be the judge of that. So I'd just been stationed in Okinawa, Japan, in the Marines, and, um, and I was 18 years old, fresh off of Minnesota Dairy Farm. Of course, never been anywhere, done anything. I didn't know he was from Minnesota. He's from Minnesota, eh? Cheese and Minnesota Dairy that Farm. You can hear it in his accent now. But you know, he's kind of, this is what I was talking about when we were, we were I think, was it last week we were talking about the Army and how like there are some people, you know, you go to college mm. and there's other people who might go into like a trade or something. And then there's some people that have nowhere fucking else to go. And it's like they graduate, yeah. they barely graduate high school. And it's like, where the fuck else am I going to go? And it's like the army or the Marines or some, some form of the armed yeah, forces. Yeah, you see, I think, I think Tony's got a brain on him. And he was like, if I join, if I join like the army, the Marines, whatever, I can get the fuck away from this farm. That's what I, I think too. The yeah, fuck yeah. away fast. So that's why I think, why I think he did it. Whereas Twisted Firestar was doing it for idealistic dreams. Well, I think also Marshall Island Tony was just like, you know, I can go, uh, you know, exploit these young, you know, what did he call it? The slanted, girls. The slanted slit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was definitely, you know, a part of the incentive, you know. Although, um, on the farm, I had a lot of experience with, uh, T-A-T-S, no, teats, but, um, as far as T-I-T-S goes, uh, I guess you could say was, uh, utterly lacking. I hope the city folks got that. <laughs> But anyways, I'll drink with some friends and um, they're like, uh, you gotta go see Chico. We all have. And so I wasn't too surprised when we're a little while later we're outside this brothel. And uh, I do love these stories of guys losing their virginity in a brothel. Yeah, it's like um, more common than well, it's not more common than I thought, but it is. Yeah, still going. I bet you, you know, I bet you it does happen frequently. I, I actually I think, it think it's a probably lot. a nice way to lose your virginity because these women are experienced. They're going to be really nice to you, and they're probably going to they're going to treat you a bit better than just like regular girls might treat you. In a I way, mean, we talk about this on the Patreon, but I lost my virginity to an older woman, not older, mm. but older woman than me. I was like, I think I was me 17, too, but not a woman, and yeah. she was twenty six. But that's this kind of this, yeah, that's definitely older. So I mean, yeah. she kind of like showed me the ropes. So I'll talk about we, t- we talk about this in the Patreon. Um, but if you were like an eighteen-year-old and you're going to a hooker, she's a professional, and mm-hmm. she's dealt with this scenario before. She's gonna know what to do. She's gonna stop the crying. She's gonna put <clears> your <throat> cock in the right place. It's like yeah, you're in good hands. How much? They call for Chico. Cry? Sent me. I'm still crying. On the I didn't need too much convincing. 
And it's all kind of a, just an alcohol clouded haze, but within about 10 seconds, that slut, you know, stole my innocence for all eternity. You know, it was so fast that um, when we went back to the, went back to the lobby area where the hookers were, they all burst out laughing, but. I love it. This explains so much, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're like sure. kind of like delving into the psyche of Marshall Island Tony. This is such a great story. You know, I, had, I had enough sense though to wait a little while before I go back to the bar, to the bar where the guys were. So whatever. Hey, see. And uh, oh yeah, do you be the June? You'd be happy to hear that I do remember it. It only cost me ten bucks because um, <gasps> it was off payday weekend, and I got kind of a company discount of sorts. So. $10. What Can a I bargain. Can I just say, Marshall and Tony, also in Britain, we are all very frugal and we hate to spend money. So I am very impressed. I'm beyond impressed. $10 like, for a hooker to lose your virginity. That's amazing. Yeah. That is good. Well done, Marshall and Tony. You think it'd be like an extra 10 I wonder if he tipped her. You think you'd give an extra 10 for the counseling, you know? No. Well, if you do the math, that still means she got about a dollar a second. <laughs> Anyway, that's, that's that about man. it. Um, although a few months later, uh, I did my first trip to the Philippines. In especially those days, the Philippines Things was just changed. utterly insane. I remember like this one town outside the base. It had, it was over 500 bars, and I think it was like 17,000 um, registered hostesses slash hookers. And now that's just a, you know. I've heard of this place. I worked with a guy at my, my previous job that was a Marine. And mm-hmm. uh, he was stationed there in the Philippines. And he said there's this one area that has like 500 bars and all hookers. And he's like, all the Marines went there. I can't remember Shit. the name of the street, but this has got to be the same place. How much gonorrhea do you think <laughs> he is said, present in that street? He said... All the guys on his platoon got an STD. Not, oh, not gonorrhea, yeah, like chlamydia, gonorrhea, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everyone Everything. did. Yeah. Just the officially registered ones that you know, every week went for their um, conscious checks for VD, VD, you know, paid for by your tax dollars. But there are, nice. there are of course, a lot more, you know, under the table, sometimes quite literally Cheaper under ones. the table. So hey. I guess I can tell you about that sometime too. Yeah. Later. Well, okay. So if you had to like guess how Marshall Mm -hmm. Island Tony lost his virginity, would this have been it? I wouldn't have said brothel, actually. I would have. Would you have? For sure. I would have I would have said some unsuspecting girl in high school. Would you think like in, in Minnesota? Minnesota. At the small high school now. I would have I would have thought this guy a brothel. When I didn't realize he was in the in the army. I thought he was I thought he like was a contractor or something and and just kind of worked mm-hmm. as a con like a contractor for some engineering company. But this makes sense to me. It's like he's over there and I guarantee he wants to get laid, and this is why he's got this whole like fetish for Asian women. Maybe he just likes Asian women, though. A lot of white men do. I know. It's a weird fetish when white men have that. I've always said it was like one step away from being gay. What? Why? 
I don't know because this is my. Uh, hear me out on this. I'm gonna listen to you. Okay. Hear me out on this. It's mm. because you're like I've known guys. A few guys are just like I don't like this one white brunette girl because she's not oh, so Asian. And so they're them. so specific. Yeah. And it's like, why would you like limit yourself like that? To one race. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's one step away yes. from being gay. Well, I'm not I'm not a race fucker. I am an anyone fucker. I fuck for personality. Equal my, opportunist. My, my whole crack is is that if you can make me properly laugh, then yeah, you're you're pretty much in the running. That's so, that's all I need. So if you met a funny dwarf like Warwick Davis. If he makes me properly laugh and he treats me right, he's in the running. Looks <laughs> so it doesn't looks really matter. To me. <laughs> looks, looks never matter to me. Let me tell you, I have I've dated one of my ex-boyfriends that I call Serge Gainsbourg. You know, he looks like Serge Gainsbourg. Right. A lot of people wouldn't say he's attractive, but to me, he was beautiful. Larry was... Flint, if he made you, if he made you laugh, mm. would you still suck his dick? I love Larry Flint. I respect Larry Flint. He's one of my heroes. I would have sucked his dick in and out of the wheelchair. <laughs> no questions asked. Well, thank you there, Marshall Island Tony. That was a good story. Loved it. I, you he's... know, I'm not surprised, mm. although. 10 seconds he's being honest here he is being honest and i admire that about him i want him to definitely bring back some stories about that base in the philippines with the 500 bars yeah i can't think of the name of that that base he's got marshall and tony let me know the name of this place i'll talk to my friend who's a marine too you know i gotta say i didn't last much longer than that I think I was like maybe twenty seconds, <laughs> thirty I don't think seconds. Any man does on their first, on their first. Yeah, because you're so excited. I'm surprised I was able to even get a condom on without, like, you know, <laughs> orgasm. So, yeah, I think. Uh, does that beat Twisted Firestarter though? I don't think so. I think Twisted Firestarter had much more. I don't know. There's a... Twisted Firestarter. There's, there's a, it was a good narrative. Yeah, yeah. It was a good narrative. Still got a... I love that. Marshall Anthony, you inspired this whole competition, though, and I love that. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say Twisted Firestar is still the winner for me. It was a good call. It was a good call, though. It was a fucking great call. People call the sticker on hotline 323-522-4032. Check out the Reddit page. A lot of stuff going on on the Reddit page. (laughs) I posted some kind of gross shit there recently, but um, a lot of pervs. You did. I saw that. Did you see that with the champagne Mm -hmm. bottle? Did my Larry Flint post got a lot of likes? So good old Larry Flint. Um, yeah, a lot of perverts on there. Just go to uh, go to Reddit. Do a search for R slash Sick and Wrong Podcast. No spaces. Also, thank you to everybody. Seriously, we really do appreciate you guys supporting the show on Patreon. We we've do. been yeah, we've been we've been posting a lot. A lot more extra content. And you know what's funny? It's like we do this every week. You know, we do all this extra mm-hmm. content on Patreon. And, uh, you know, normally some people comment, some people don't. But we got a comment from a guy that I was actually, I found this, uh, you know, I was flattered. I, I read this and I was like, you know, this is gratifying. Oh. He's a new patron too, Greg. Oh. He wrote, I'm loving this extra content and the old shows. You two are working hard. Respect. Greg. Isn't that I cool? I thought that was really cool. Very, it is very nice of you. Well, on Patreon, you do get a lot more stuff. It's like nearly four hours worth of extra free four hours. Sometimes the news goes on for ages, and our outtakes is always an hour. Kate's making me work harder than I've ever worked on this fucking show. Seriously. I, I crack the whip. 
Yeah, she's like making me toil. It's like I feel like I'm a fucking Jew in slavery again. Good. Um, but yeah, well, we not only do extra story, we do extra phone calls. We do. We now do a new segment called the Sick and Wrong News, News, which allows us to talk about like a lot of different events. And this this time, this week, we actually have a special guest doing the news with us, none other than John Steele. My new best um, friend. Discussing his thoughts on Larry Flint's passing, Suzanne Summers having a Ew. naked intruder in her home, <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen getting a DUI. It's all on Patreon. You got to go check out Sick and Wrong News. And in the outtakes, we share our own losing virginity stories, including Steele, and yep. a very romantic story involving Wackerly, <laughs> a sweater. A rose and semen. I actually I, do think that story is romantic, do you? It is a romantic story. It is a and romantic I think we story. might have talked about it on the show because I know I brought it up, but there's been a lot of new <laughs> listeners that might not have heard it. Anyway, it's all on Patreon. And the bonus episode this week, um, Kate does it on uh, Harvey Glopman, a Jewish serial killer. Yeah, there's not that many Jewish serial killers. I think like, there's Dave Berkowitz, he's probably yeah, son the most of Sam. famous. And Joel Rifkin. Other than that, I was a bit stumped for properly Jewish serial killers. But yeah, Harvey Gottman is also, thing. you know, he's a he's a vintage serial killer, and you'll you'll what, know. What years his, is Harvey Gladman? He's like back in the forties, but people will recognize his pictures that he took of his victims. People know them, definitely. So go check it out. Sick and wrong overkill. Um, and not to mention, when you sign for Patreon, you also get an invite to the Sick and Wrong Discord. Very exciting community on there, on the, on mm-hmm. the Discord. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. We appreciate the support. Um, we also have a, I think Public's doing a sale right now. So if you go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop, click on the picture of the Pope, you can go to the Public store. You can buy um, you can buy a Sick and Wrong banner, some t-shirts, all sorts of stuff over there. Finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week, keeping with the Valentine's Day theme. Kate picked this one out, one of Kate's favorite bands, The Real Kids, doing a song called She's All Right. Yeah. It's a I good forced song. Dee's hand on this. Forced you, it. I love The Real Kids. One you picked this, pick yeah. this song out for this mm-hmm. episode. Um, but it's a great song. Great, great album, too. Uh, the Real awesome Kids, song. self-titled LP, released in 1977. So uh, we're going to end the show here with She's All Right. People, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with episode 779. Till then, take it sleazy.
So I am confusion. Why is this one Kansas? But this one is not Arkansas. America, explain. Explain. What do you mean in Arkansas? What